Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Saturday, June 16th. It's episode 64, and I'm Dennis. Now, before you all get concerned that you're not hearing Tony do the introduction like he usually does, do not worry. This is the E3 2018 episode. We are going to have some guests on later. It's going to be a long episode, and because of that, I am recording most of the pinball segment ahead of time so that everyone can get out at a reasonable hour. So you will be stuck with me for the next few minutes. Now, since there's no real point in doing introductions, instead, I'm going to go ahead and answer some common questions that we've received. Tony and I don't actually have a mail segment where we go over listeners' feedback. We sometimes mention some of it. We usually just respond offline. It's just how we've structured the show. And so I've been saving some items, not attributable to anyone specifically, and they all seem to be mostly around podcasting in general, and I figured I'll go ahead and stick them in as my introduction. So the first question I wanted to tackle was, what do we use to actually record this show? And the answer is it depends because we experiment with a lot of different things as we go along. So I can never say we're really committed to one particular setup. However, in terms of hardware, Tony uses a blue Snowball microphone. I use a blue Yeti microphone. These are both USB-based microphones. And I use for on-site recordings a Tascam portable recorder. Uh, Specifically, I use a DR05. In terms of remote recording, most of the time we contact people through Skype, and in that case I use another software package that is called a multi-call recorder to capture the audio. I also will use, if I'm doing a traditional phone call, uh, such as I did with the DeepRoot interview, I use an application creatively called Call Recorder, and editing is done, as most people do, in Audacity. So that pretty much covers all the stuff we use for recording. Next question. Why do you guys record fortnightly? Well, uh, it depends who you ask. I mean, in terms of why we started that way, Tony really deserves credit for that. And I'd say if you were to ask him today, it's still mostly driven by the fact that these hobbies, even the video game hobby, don't really have a lot of news constantly coming in. And so he didn't really see the point in recording weekly because there's really just not enough news to warrant it. I know that seems a little odd if you think about it. You read This Week in Pinball. There's always news going on on pinball. There's always some news going on in video games. But we were thinking in terms of major news, significant things like the release of a pinball machine or a brand new video game was revealed. It doesn't really work that way. And so because of that, we figured doing it every other week would work out better. Now, if you were to ask me at this point, why do we do it fortnightly? Generally, I would interpret that uh, interpretation to mean you don't want it less often because if you were tired of hearing us this much, I would think you'd just unsubscribe. But I don't like the idea of going weekly because it doubles my work. And everything about the podcast is designed to keep me from burning out. So uh, because I'm doing all the editing and uh, just the effort that it takes to put together the show notes ahead of time, uh, contacting guests when we're going to have guests on, it's all sort of structured that way. So if we were to move from fortnightly to weekly, the first thing that comes in my mind is you just doubled my workload and I don't want my workload doubled. So we stick with fortnightly because it's a reasonable work balance that I'm able to keep up with. And I'm assuming for Tony too, but anyway, 
those are our two reasons why we've done it from a fortnightly basis. It works pretty well for us. I hope it works well for you. Third question, how do you select guests? I don't say there's really any particular way we select guests. Actually, all of the guest hosts have been arranged by me, so I guess the question is best answered by me. I just choose people I think have interesting perspectives. That's really anyone I think is going to have a, an interesting conversation with us. So I usually focus on finding people that I think have a strength in an area that we are weak. So that's why we've had a number of pinball collectors on, because Tony and I aren't really big-time collectors. And if I think the conversation is going to be good, I'll go that way. I've lately had a lot of people on that do their own show or podcast. And again, workload reasons. I know they all have the equipment to actually do the podcast and have clean audio. So it's very convenient to know that your guest actually is capable of doing something like that. Or if they've been on other shows, you know, I don't like to try and get people who have been recently on another podcast because I think it gets tedious to constantly hear the same people over and over. So I do try and mix it up a bit, but you're striking a balance there. So it's really just whoever I think might have an interesting story and is willing to actually come on and, and talk because there are people I contact who are uncomfortable coming onto a podcast. They don't want to have their voice out there and that's fine. So sometimes those certain conversations don't get to happen in this sort of medium. Let's see. Fourth question. Why do you think, what do you think of podcasters having non-disclosure agreements or NDAs with companies they cover? That, okay. I'm not a fan. That's the, that's the short answer. That's up to each podcast. The thing to remember with most of these podcasts, our podcast included, is we are not journalists. So the idea of needing to be open and transparent and you don't operate under NDA, that doesn't really need to apply in the same way that you might expect of a journalistic source that would be trying to get to the truth and always get the truth out there. That said... It's very frustrating because I know on some shows, and I, I hear this on the video game side as well, they have these relationships, they get really close and cozy with the manufacturers, and then maybe they tell you they know things but they can't talk about it, and it's really awkward from a listener perspective to hear a show and a show knows something, and they're willing to tell you they know something, but they're not willing to tell you what they know. It's an interesting tease. I think it's tacky. And uh, this is part of the reason why Tony and I actually do not try and form relationships with manufacturers. We have invited people who work for manufacturers on to talk about things. We've invited manufacturers to discuss their products with us. I don't want to be in the official loop. I don't want to be on an NDA with Stern Pinball so that I know what the next five titles are. I don't see any advantage from putting together the show perspective to do that. The only value I could ever come up with is that I would be leveraging the fact that I have a podcast to actually stay officially, quote unquote, in the know. And But that doesn't serve the listeners in any way. Now, that said, there are people who will send me things, and I'm sure this happens for all the other shows, and they'll say, this is not for disclosure, this is not for airing, this is confidential. And a lot of times they'll say that and then immediately say what they have to say. And you just have to work within those confines because there are people that sometimes want to share information and they don't want it to be on the podcast. I've had people contact me who just want me to know because they can tell after they hear an episode that I'm really confused about something. And so they, they're trying to educate me, but they're not trying to educate the audience. 
And that's not an NDA. That's just someone basically giving you something off the record. And that's fine. You just have to you just have to accept that and then try and keep track. Hopefully it doesn't happen too much because you don't want to make a mistake and accidentally reveal something that you didn't want to reveal. But, it, you know, that is a bit of a challenge. But no, I'm not a fan of entering into arrangements with uh, manufacturers. Tony and I have no relationship with any video game designer, publisher, or pinball manufacturer with an NDA in place. We don't have any of those. We don't have any of those relationships. Uh, and the fifth and final question is, should a podcast be on a fixed schedule? Uh, th- there is no right answer to that. It's up to the podcaster and whatever works for them. From a listener perspective, schedules are best. And that is part of the reason why we do a schedule. In fact, when we were setting up the podcast, Tony insisted we needed to be on a schedule. The listener base is most loyal to shows that have schedules. And I really like having a schedule because it makes sure we keep doing it. It's so easy to slip and let weeks and weeks pass when you do not commit to a schedule. So for me, as a planning-oriented person, I find it ideal. And from a listener standpoint, there's no disadvantage to being on a schedule for the listener, from a listener perspective. So it is, I feel, a superior approach. I know some people advise differently, and it, and that's fine. It really is. You need to be able to do, if you're going, if the question's coming because you want to do a podcast, then you need to do what's going to be comfortable for you because you don't want to burn out. That's, in my view, that's the biggest risk. You'll burn out. Like half these shows I've listened to that go away don't even announce that they've gone away. They just sort of pitter out, and it's annoying because I want them out of my phone subscription podcaster list, and I want to fill it with other stuff. But as long as I still see them, I can't be sure if they're gone. So I believe in schedules, but it's up to the podcaster. I can tell you there's no disadvantage to a listener for doing it, however. So introduction questions are done. Let us move to the pinball segment and start working on the news. First news story I want to touch on. This was interesting. It just came up recently. Sandra Bullock, who was one of the stars of Demolition Man, is out promoting her new movie, Ocean's 8, and during an interview and a discussion with one of her co-stars, mentioned that she was annoyed that Warner Brothers never gave her a Demolition Man pinball machine and noted that her male co-stars got a machine. Now, I'm not going to go into whether or not it was just because they were male and she was female or whether it how if it was how many different male co-stars. She cited three different ones. Two of them did do voice call-outs for the game. She did not, I believe, do any custom speech for the game. However, she should have got a Demolition Man pinball machine. Her face is one of the three on the back glass. It it's silly that she didn't. So she actually put Warner Brothers on blast saying, I want my Demolition Man pinball machine. Of course, I've already seen there's a discussion thread on Pinside about whether or not they should get her a Demolition Man pinball machine and donate it to her. You know, some others have noted she could easily afford a Demolition Man pinball machine. It is only Demolition Man after all. Uh, it's not a particularly valuable pin, but I think from her perspective, it's not anything other than that Warner Brothers should have done it for her and she's annoyed that they didn't. Not that she couldn't easily go out and afford a Demolition Man. But I just thought it was interesting because, hey, Apparently, pinball can be emotional even for actors and actresses, uh, especially when they don't get one and everyone else does. So let that be a lesson to any of you movie studios listening out there. If you're going to do pinball machines and give them to some, you better be ready to give them to all. That said, Demolition Man is one of the better wide bodies, so I would say in terms of a game she would want, there are a lot others that are a lot better, but she could do far worse than getting the game that actually has her face on it. 
All right, next news item. Let's talk a little bit about some stuff going on in the industry. Scott Denisi, the creative mind behind Total Nuclear Annihilation, which Spooky Pinball has been releasing to great success and fanfare. It has been confirmed by Spooky that Scott is working on a second game. And this surprises no one. I know he played coy with this for quite a while, that he likes his job with Pinball Life, and he hadn't decided that he was going to be working on a game. I thought it was obvious that he was going to do a game number two, so I'm going to say, I told you so. It's just based off of how long and how carefully he's been treating Total Nuclear Annihilation. He's been continuing to update it. I don't think his interest in the design process has waned at all. I think it was very transparent that he was really, really passionate, and that passion didn't seem to go away, and it only makes sense to take that passion and put it into a new project. Of course, the question that everyone is going to be wondering, well, I think everyone who's concerned with design, is will Scott be doing another single-level game, or will he move into what is seen as the more modern design practice and start doing things with ramps and toys and such and i have no idea because it you could see you could see it go either way he might feel it would be fun to do something with a higher uh, well i don't want to say a higher bill of materials I, I well i wanted to obviously but now i'm hesitating on that because total nuclear annihilation is not a street level game I've mentioned that several times. It wasn't designed with a a low cost point in mind, which is a core principle of street level if you're following the premier model. It was just a single level game. There are interesting challenges that single level presents. I think he could do a lot more creative layouts in the vein of Total Nuclear Annihilation if he wanted to. But that said, Spooky typically has produced games with ramps and a much more modern feature set, and he might be curious to see what he could come up with along those lines. He might already have something in mind. But those are the areas I really expect to see possible variants, because... Scott likes music. I think it's going to have a killer custom soundtrack no matter what he does. So that's sort of a given. And I think you're going to see probably a similar light show to what you got in Total Nuclear Annihilation. I just don't see him moving away from color-changing GI and everything else that he integrated. Another thing that we might see different is the screen. I don't think the LCD screen really does a whole lot uh, that's visually particularly interesting on Total Nuclear Annihilation. Uh, I could see that being a lot more developed asset if he does something in-house with Spooky from the get-go. And so that might be something new if you really... I don't really care about that, but some people might. So it's something to consider. So anyway, uh, good for Spooky and good for Scott Denisi. I look forward to seeing more designs from him because I think Total Nuclear Annihilation is a killer concept as a game. Uh, Let's see. Let's go into software side. And we've got Joe Schober. Joe, is that how I say your name? It's how I am saying your name. Feel free to write in if I'm wrong, but I don't think you're listening, so I doubt I'll be corrected. But I do get 50% of all names wrong, so we have to just accept that. Anyway, Joe has joined American Pinball. Joe Schober was with Highway Pinball working on alien pinball and so i think that this is pretty exciting because while i have been pretty hard on alien setting aside the whole issue with highway the software i think on alien is very good i just thought the layout was a step back from what full throttle offered i thought it was an inferior design however i think the rules are better And I saw a very preliminary rule set, but I thought the idea behind how the shots were working was really cool in terms of rewarding shots you need to hit and punishing you for shots that you shouldn't be hitting. So I'm hoping to see a rule set like that 
over with American Pinball and with Joe going over there. I think there is pretty good potential for that to happen. Final piece of industry news that I think is worth touching on is David Thiel. He is a sound engineer. He's done a lot of games. He's mostly been working lately with Jersey Jack Pinball. He's uh, been doing their Pirates of the Caribbean game that's still yet to come out. But he also worked on the sound for Hobbit and Dialed In. And then over again with Highway, he did the sound package with Alien, which if you haven't heard Alien, it sounds great. David does good work. Everyone knows he does good work. So he is now exclusive with Deep Root Pinball. Now, David working with Deep Root is not surprising. It was announced when the designer, the full designer team was announced that he was over with them to do sound. What was not indicated in that, though, was that he was exclusive. And now he has indicated on Pinball Profile with Jeff Teolis that he is, in, he is now at this point exclusive with Deep Root Pinball. The Pinball Playfield designers were all exclusive, but David was not. And that was likely driven by the fact that he was still working with Jersey Jack and on the Pirates game at the time. But apparently he has reached the point where he's going to be over with Deep Root doing their designs and only their designs uh, to help on the sound package. It's not really very surprising when you see the additional details that he supplied in the interview because he's doing more than one game with them. He noted he can't even keep up with all of the games that are being put out by Deep Root, so there will be other sound engineers or at least one other that will have to help out. And so he just doesn't have the time to work for any other company while he's doing these pins with Deep Root. And depending, I suppose, on how aggressive Deep Root's schedule is, after the first set of reveals, he might be busy for quite some time to come. I just think in terms of uh, our perspective as a podcast, watching this from afar, it's just another example that Deep Root is convincing the industry people that they are approaching, that they are very serious about what they are doing, and they are putting money behind that seriousness, and so... Tony and I have already acknowledged we've moved past the point of thinking, what is this? Is this sort of a phantom company? In the software computer game side, we would call it vaporware. And we moved past this being a vaporware thing a long time ago. It seems very, very clear that some sort of product is intended to come out at some point early next year. And we will just keep watching and waiting and seeing what happens. But it's interesting. These are all really interesting moves because these are very serious professionals that keep getting recruited by Deep Root. And you just have to expect that much talent is going to come up with something worth talking about. A final news item I want to go ahead and touch on is when we were with our guest host, Zach, from Straight Down the Middle, a pinball show last episode, he mentioned, he being Zach, to Tony and I that there was going to be a podcast, and we had read about it uh, from This Week in Pinball. And it turned out that Jeff, who does This Week in Pinball, was doing it with Zach. So Zach didn't give us the full total scoop. So shame on you, Zach. We deserved it because we had you on and we were so nice to you. I let you make fun of all my pinball choices. So after the episode aired, they unleashed a preliminary episode, episode zero. It was good. It followed the This Week in Pinball format. So it was essentially an audio version of the weekly news. And then episode one just recently came out and it was noted to be the series finale. And the episode was good. It was just that Jeff said it was taking way too much time to put together the weekly podcast. And that's understandable. He's already noted that he's spending a tremendous amount of time putting together the weekly blog of all of the news. And then just having to find the time to participate in the recording is, even though I, I think Zach was handling the editing, it's still, it's just, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of commitment. And I saw some people online 
begging basically for him to go to a not, no schedule or to go to a slower schedule, though it's important to note the show format would have to change if he were to do that because it was all structured around doing the weekly news. And you have to be careful if you're going to do, say, the monthly news and just go through four weeks of these weekend pinball news posts, you end up still, you don't really save any time because you end up expanding the length of your episode and all of your prep. I think what Jeff should do is you just need to go on the guest circuit tour. That's what you got to do. You just got to go. You got to pull how Steve Bowden did it for years. You just go on all the shows you want to whenever you have the time and you're interested and you don't need to do it as an interview. Come on as a guest host to places and say, I just want to chat about pinball for a while. You have no prep responsibilities. You have no editing responsibilities. And that's it. And then just coast to podcast guest glory. That's my suggested solution because I would love to stop editing. So that's what I imagine would be the dream. I would not know. But that's really it for pinball news. So once we're with Tony, we will start talking about the end of the worst of the fall, the conclusion to his stunningly negative pinball tournament. Well, Tony is with us now. Welcome, Tony. Thanks for starting without me. I know. I'm such a mean person. But we have so much to talk about. There's so many video games. And Uh. we're still not even done with the pinball segment yet. And that's (laughs) why I needed you. I could not do this. Your brainchild. The darkness that was inside you. It's time to release it finally onto the world like a xenomorph onto a (laughs) derelict spaceship. That is, of course, the worst of the fall, the worst pinball machine of 1994 to 1999. Tony, what are the results? The final results with a bigger difference than I expected by a long shot. Viper Night Driving is the worst game of this let's face it it's the worst game of all time well we don't know that scientifically no we just but, know but that in our soul in our, in our, our, our in, in our hearts and our souls we know it's the worst game of all time that would be and i now I, I i will now blame the total collapse of pinball on viper and i drive on sega and viper it's, and i drive it's sega's fault sega sega destroyed everything that's everything sad. everything they touched dies that's sad so how badly did it beat Premier's Shack Attack. It was a 70% win. I figured this would be tight. I thought it would be close. I thought Shaq would win. I've never heard anyone... I I mean, to be fair, I've never heard anyone say anything good about Viper either, but... Well, true, yeah. But because it's Premier and it's System 3, I just thought Shack Attack's going to carry this. Right. But I think more people have played Viper and they know. They They know know the pain. They know the pain deep in their soul. Well... This They've is really got that good. shadowed hole in their soul from playing Viper. And I understand that. And this is really good because I had been talking to local area people in the Kansas City area where we live about that I thought that whatever won this should have to be on location for yes. at least half a year. And it was. And we already had it. So I think we've kind of met that and we don't need to relive the experience. You don't have to go buy that $3,000 shack attack. Yeah. Jason, one of the listeners for the show sent us the yeah. a link to the $3,000 shack attack. And I mean, it was about $3,000 too much, but it was the I'm only, be, it was the only source I knew of. I will be fair. It was about $2,950 too much. Mm, wow. Well, I mean, the coils do have some value, right? There's some copper in that machine. There is. Yeah. That's yeah. true. That's true. I didn't think about. I didn't think about just taking that and junking it. Right. More right. more honorable than stealing copper. Don't steal copper. People is bad. You're breaking people's air conditionings, and it's very sad. I okay. Hear the pain. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that was really interesting. A lot of people seem to really like this contest. We don't have a new contest planned yet. No, so this it, one's been yeah. time and old. Most and, of ours are pretty time consuming. Yeah. But as we go along, we'll let uh, listeners, if you want to suggest things, feel free to, to reach out to us, uh, you know, email and everything. I might say those at the end of this episode. I might not, but I'm not saying them now. So we're done with the pinball segment. So we're going to start the video game segment. And Tony and I are here before we've got our guests involved for the E3 content. And I just thought, let's take an opportunity to talk about games we've been playing. Because other than in our intros, we've had a couple back-to-back pinball guests. And so we have been very light on video game content. We will be making up for that this episode. Oh, yeah. But I want to get caught up on what we would normally do, which would be talking about what we've been playing. So, Tony... What's going on? And don't depress everyone with the sheer volume of one game. I need you to be strong now. Well, uh oh, I finished Battletech. Oh, how now? How many hours did it take for you to finish it? And I know you've gone and done like side stuff, so it's not. This is not indicative of if you all you wanted to do was tear through the story. Right, right. So for, yeah, no, you for can tear through the story much, much faster than I. Um, hundred and twenty. Eight to 130 hours, something like that. That's like Fallout levels of and, time. Yeah. And then I modded the game and I started a new game. New Game Plus? or No, they don't have a New Game Plus. I just I kept my old saves uh, so that when there's DLC, I can go back to my old saves. And then I threw a bunch of mods on that just make things uh, tougher and do some general changes to the engine. It's a pretty moddable system. And I've just been trying out different mods, basically. Okay. And um, I started replaying with that. So it's just been playing some mods. I haven't put a whole lot. I've only put another five to ten hours in, uh, into it on the modded versions with my 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 completely joke character who I named Rock Hardon. Mm-hmm. And- <laughs> Tony. <laughs> and oh. get- <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's bad. You think? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my mercenary company's name is the Bordello. Okay. So, well, at least it fits thematically. Right. I, I right. And, and 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 my guy's nickname is Playboy. I yeah. Mm-hmm. I just I went terrible with it. It's it's monstrous and horrible. Of me. It's almost as if Andrew Highway picked all your names. Yeah, for basically, you. That, that's what it amounts to. But then I decided I needed a change. Mm. So I played a game that wasn't called Battletech. Really? No. 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 I did. I did. Oh. I. I <laughs> But it's not going to be, it's not going to be super exciting because I started a new playthrough on one of my spreadsheet games, um, Rule the Waves, the, the, right, the, right. the naval simulator. And I'm doing a playthrough as Italy. Um, I'm currently sitting about 1913. Uh, it's my last turn before I left the house this morning was November of 1913. Okay. Um, I'm doing pretty well. I fought a war with the United States in 1902, and it was a push because neither of us had the navies to do anything to each other. It was just raiding and this and that. Um, I won. I took. I won a major war against Austria, uh, Austria-Hungary, that lasted four years, and somehow I messed up in my diplomacy while uh, in the. After the war, while I was trying to rebuild my navy, and I've got Russia on the cusp of war with me, Germany on the cusp of war with me, Great Britain on the cusp of war with me, and Austria-Hungary declared war on me again. So I've got 
three nations that are all way bigger than me about to declare war on me, and I'm at war with Austria-Hungary again. And that war started out bad. Uh, that war has been going on for about seven months now, and it opened up with me losing about a quarter of my fleet. And then I had a couple good runs, and I've managed to put down most of Austria's fleet. It's uh, They have no more capital ships. Unfortunately, I have no more escort ships. I have nothing but capital ships. All my lighter ships are gone except for a handful of destroyers. I've got more stuff under construction, but when you're talking construction, uh, uh, this stuff's modeled semi-realistically. So construction time, even of a small ship, runs 28 to 30 months. So all this new construction I've started, most of it's not, the war's going to be over before most of it's done. So unless Britain and them jump on me, I'm trying to, trying to tone down the, the diplomacy and make them more happy with me because I can't fight the British Empire right now. I'm in a bad place as is. So, uh, that about does it for my video gaming. I've been doing that and I've been watching a lot of No Reservations, uh, because it's on Netflix and it's staying on Netflix and, it was one of those shows I always liked, and after Anthony Bourdain's suicide, I just started watching it again. So, okay. I started rewatching like my favorite episodes of it. So, been doing that and playing as Italy mainly because they're things that are very interchangeable. I don't lose track. Like I can't really play Overwatch and pay attention to something else and this and that. I've had so much other stuff going on at home with everybody that that's what I've been doing mainly. Well, I uh, have not finished Prey. I tried to this morning. I'm still just, I, I keep thinking I'm at the end I'm, and I'm just not. And uh, I was having trouble with uh, some side mission stuff that relates. I'm hoping makes it a little easier, a little maybe happier ending if I do it. So I've been getting a little sidetracked, but I'm ignoring most of the optional stuff. But they just keep repopulating the rooms with enemies. And it's really frustrating because you're always low on supplies. So it's not my type of, I like survival horror, but not this approach is way too sprawling. The entire ship is pretty accessible. And so it doesn't feel like resident evil where maybe you're in a house and you only have access to six or eight rooms. And eventually maybe that goes and doubles in size. Instead, I feel like I've got 30 areas and I'm getting confused all the time, but I'm trying to finish it up. It plays fairly well. I see why some people like it. And in fact, it came up at E3. So I guess more people like it than I realized. I did, as an aside, play and complete another game, which also somewhat relates to a game that get, got mentioned at E3. And that is, I finally played Trials of the Blood Dragon. And if anyone's ever played a Trials game, it's platforming with motocross. So you're trying to balance on a bike and go and do the hills and stuff. I played Trials HD. I was terrible at it. I could not finish it. It got too hard for me, which frustrated me. And platformers do that. But sometimes yeah, I, I, I have the same issue. I, I mean, fall for them still, but... Anything the other... I mean, like like what the Super Meat Boy games are probably the closest to a platformer that I'll play, and it's just because they're co-op and insane type stuff. Most platformers anymore, I can't. I don't have... I miss the jumps and I rage. <laughs> well, this had, I mean, it had hard segments, but nothing nearly as bad as Trials HD got. So in terms of getting through the story, I was able to do it in over in just over a weekend. Yeah. And it kind of ties as a sequel plot-wise to Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon, which was a fun shooter game. This, it's not just balancing on the bike, though. It also has some run-and-gun segments to it. Right. With a little bit of rudimentary platforming, but most of those are really more run-and-gun mechanics. Uh, it's funny. I laughed quite a bit. The humor is incredibly quirky, even quirkier than Blood Dragon was. 
the voice acting. Mm. Yeah, you you're basically playing between two two twins, and whoever voiced the boy is is it's truly awful. I'm like I I think a developer must have done it. It's so bad. Wow, it's that's, just really that's... bad. And it's just unfortunate because it takes me out of that kind of story. But it's really, really zany. So if you like platforming, don't want something ultra super hard, uh, though I I can't say it's easy, but it's it's doable. And you want a quirky, weird story that flashes back to a lot of 80s references. All the missions are sort of themed. There's like a Starship Trooper-esque mission. (laughs) And there's a Kung Fu movie style mission. It's all things that are very reminiscent of the 80s. So it it works really well on those levels. uh, And not being the sort of intensity that the pure Trials games have been known for. Yeah, I can see that. I know it was real popular and there was a lot of talk about it too. Yeah, I think E3s two. ago. Yeah, they got they dressed up weird when they went yeah. on stage and stuff, and it was a games with gold free thing right. through Microsoft. So I picked it up a while ago, and I just I was getting tired of Prey, and I needed a break. I didn't want to start another full retail game. Yeah, and it's a more arcade sized game, and I thought, let me do this and see what I think. And actually, I was like, oh, okay, I'm actually doing all right at this. I'm going to keep going. Um, nice. So I only got about half the achievements. The other half are all hard. Won't be doing that. <laughs> I've stopped achievement hunting pretty much entirely. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't usually. I don't worry about full clearing or anything anymore unless I'm really interested in it. But I still like to see those little achievements pop up, and so I'll still sometimes in quick play focus on uh, heroes and Overwatch that I don't have all of the achievements on to see if maybe I can earn them. Yeah, it gives me new ways to play and stuff, so I do like that. I I, I can see that the. Uh... I know there's been a lot of changes with Overwatch lately that I've not even looked at. The anniversary packs, I don't think I've even logged into Overwatch in a while because I've been playing, you know, Battletech and other things. I've just not had the same drive for it that lately. Yeah. I, was, I know because I was planning on, I'm going to play competitive this season and then Battletech came out. And it's like, I don't know if I should even bother to try and get into competitive at this point. I'll be like wood tier. Is there something below wood? (laughs) No, there's not. Wood here's the worst. (laughs) Okay, well, we're now actually really ready to do our E3 portion of the show. So we have two more speakers to participate with us. First up, back fresh from E3 2017's show, Eric, welcome back to provide your video game knowledge. Thank you for having me. All right. And second, we have a now third-time returning guest, thus tying as most frequent guest. He is the former host of the Link Cable podcast and former host of the Pinball podcast, Don. Welcome back to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great. Well, we're really excited. We're going to go through this chronologically by major presentation. Everyone here has taken it upon themselves to lead on a particular topic that we're going to hit. I like how you say taking it upon themselves as opposed to, to, I filled out a form and you're doing Square Enix whether you want to or not. Look, someone makes the trains run. I'm not even (laughs) saying on time. They just are running. I willed it. And that's what we need to do to make sure that they actually happen. Dennis wills it. But we all get to participate and contribute. So nothing, no stone will be left unturned. You're not obligated to mention every single thing in a presentation, just the stuff that is interesting to you. And anyone else will chip in on things that get left off and we'll do it by the major presentations and then we'll have a little summary segment. And so everyone knows, I'll also want to ask at the end, what do you think in terms of a game, quote unquote, one E3, 
what major presentation won E3, if any, and who lost or was a disappointment in terms of presentation at E3. So just things to think about. But starting chronologically, that means we start with Electronic Arts, commonly known as EA, and that means, Don, you get to lead the way. Show us the light, okay. Don. All right, let's do this. Uh, Three hours of off, FIFA. They started off with a cinematic trailer for Battlefield Five. Um, they announced the Battle Royale mode, which every game will have this year. They're going uh, back in sequence with numbering, I guess, after Battlefield 1. But I kind of like the Battlefield games. I'm kind of interested. And they are putting a female a female soldier on the cover, which is kind of neat. Showing some diversity. The next big one was Respawn's Star Wars title. It's uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Mm. And it takes place between Episode 3 and 4. Uh, Respawn did the Titanfall games, and Titanfall 2 was fantastic, in my opinion. So I am excited... Until EA cancels see it. what they have. Until what? EA Until EA cancels. cancels it before it actually launches. Yeah, like they do have the other stuff the they do. Down. Yeah. It's supposed to come out next fall, fall of 2019. So they did not show anything. It was literally just uh, just an announcement. Of, yeah, the dev talking about it. But that should be good. It's the, during the dark period where they're hunting Jedi. So that sounded interesting. Because I had hopes for it was... Under whatever sixteen sixteen that like dark gritty underworld one that they were developing a couple of years ago and then they shut the studio down. Yeah, yeah uh, hopefully they picked up some pieces from that one because that did sound really cool. But that was the Amy Henning one, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you're correct. I, think, I don't know if she's involved. I thought in sixteen one, sixteen was a different one than the Amy Henning one. I thought the Amy Henning Amy uh, Henning one had a different was unnamed at this point. That might be true. Oh, yeah. I yeah, don't remember. Because she was working with Visceral, and they closed Visceral. All right. The point is, right. EA is going to lose the license to Star Wars. So <laughs> yeah. They're getting out what they can to make what they can, because they've been seen as a major bungler of this entire franchise. Right. I think we all agree on that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And then it'll go to well, Bethesda, and it'll be amazing. It'll all well, be the same the game, same, but it'll be Around the same time, we should get a Lego like third prequel grouping. Or is it not third prequel? Uh, what do they call the new trilogy? The the new trilogy or the 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 sequel trilogy is what I've been hearing a lot. Okay, well we should so get the original trilogy, the new right trilogy, now. and the sequel okay. trilogy. Yeah, that should be good. The Lego games are always competent. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite things about about uh, E3 is when games are announced and are released at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that happened with uh, Unravel Two. So it was announced uh, on June 9th and released at the same time on PS4. PC and Xbox One. I played a little bit of the first one, and I liked it well enough, but uh, not enough to finish, and I have that EA access, so I'll probably try this at some time. It's a co-op game where the two characters use the same piece of thread, so you're kind of tethered to each other, which supposedly it has some cool uh, integration of that uh, gimmick or mechanic, so I don't know. We'll get there eventually, but either way, it's cool when, when stuff is announced and just drops. Has anyone else played the original Unravel? Yes. No. What did you think of it? I, I think it's a good pr- platformer. I think uh, it controls well. The mm-hmm. the uh, yarn gimmick is good. It's not what... So I haven't played all the way through. Uh, and in fact, I have literally played it this week because I'm like, oh, I really thought that was an interesting looking game. Oh, and they're making another one. And I showed the trailer to my daughter and she's like, let's get that. And I'm like, well, why don't we play the one I already have? <laughs> and so we played a little bit, and it is it is really sweet and mellow, 
Okay, I don't like it. Yeah, it sounds uh, horrible. But thanks for <laughs> describing it so deep. And we do have to deal with the other larger problem here. You actually pay for EAL access. I didn't know anybody actually did that. Yeah, it's, it goes on sale all the time. It was like 25 bucks for a year or 20 bucks even. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to play Star Wars and Need for Speed without buying them. So I can now, see that. Now they're free as much as you want to play, you can play. So. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to play the fourth or fifth best car racing game <laughs> out there. They've got it for you. I, I love arcade racers. So I like a lot of the Need for Speed games. I know a lot of people who do. Yeah. yeah. Oh, one last thing on Unravel is that uh, so many of the big platformers lately are super hard, like Celeste and uh, Bloodstained. They're trying to double down on how hard can we make these platformers. Whereas Unravel, uh, like Eric was saying, it is kind of just chill and you can kind of enjoy yourself and not feel like it's all Twitch gaming. It's so. very generous with checkpoints. No, that would be nice because yeah. I, I, I can't do platformers anymore. I, I got the the Mega Man Super Pack that has like all of the Mega Mans in it. And I know I used to beat Mega Man. I can't get past a single level on Mega Man. I apparently fail as a gamer at this point. I don't blame you. It's tough. Back in the day, you could just play the same game over and over. Yeah. That's all you had, but now you got to get good. <laughs> get uh, good, son. Get good. Yep. They announced another Madden. It'll come out August 10th. I haven't played one in a few years. They d- they mentioned Battle Star Wars Battlefront 2 is getting new updates. So you're going to be able to play as Count Dooku, Obi-Wan, Anakin, and General Grievous. And they're going to add uh, Clone Wars mode, which uh, could be cool. I don't know. General Grievous, so he's got four lightsabers. That could be fun. Not my favorite thing, but uh, I kind of I think Battlefront is a pretty fun series, so I'll probably give that a shot. And then the big one is Anthem, and they gave it a release date. It's uh, going to be out February twenty second, PS four, Xbox, and PC. They put it in a trailer. There's a lot of gameplay videos up now and like, exploration videos. That's supposed to be the next big, huge game from Bioware, but it looks I don't know to me it looks like the Titanfall. It looks like Destiny. It's supposed to be yeah. a Destiny killer. We'll I'm see. Not totally sold. Well, do you? I I don't know if you've played Destiny. I have. I played the demo of the yeah. first Destiny. I've not played Destiny Two. I know a lot of Destiny Two fans have been pretty disappointed. Or I should say, Destiny fans have been disappointed with Destiny Two, but they still play it. Well, kinda. I mean, they still bought it. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm just curious. All, they feel obligated to play it. it. I'm just right. curious. Will Anthem displace that? I think that Destiny put itself in a bad position. I think that it didn't resonate with a lot of the hardcore fans. And I don't know that it attracted a lot of new players. So I'm wondering if maybe the positioning's good for the Anthem to sort of displace it, even if it isn't the same, totally same style of game. It's possible. If they put enough of a hook in there where you're getting loot and it rewards you for playing together, maybe. You it looks f- like Iron Man in a jungle. Yeah, that's what I was that thinking. That could be fun. I mean, who doesn't want to fly around in Iron Man armor? Right. If they if they push a beta, like a uh, public beta, that could get some traction. Destiny tried that, and that kind of got me interested in Destiny. But I only put maybe 70 hours into it, which in terms of Destiny is hardly anything. Yeah, you might as well not even tried it. Right, I know. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll see. I'm sure it'll be big. Or at least there will be a lot of advertising for it. Sea of Solitude is the next EA original game. It's an adventure game focused on emotions. It's supposed to come early next year on uh, PS4, Xbox, and PC. I think it looks really cool. Uh, it looks familiar to me. Like, I feel like I've played this game 
before, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It looks kind of like a gorilla's music video. Mm. Yeah, the, it does have an animation style that's somewhat reminiscent of it. The, all the shadowy things actually kind of remind me of Kingdom Hearts, the shadowy characters. Yep. Or even uh, Inside. I don't know oh, yeah. of that. Yeah. With like the sirens trying to drag you down into the water. I don't know. I definitely want to try it. And hopefully EA Originals take off because they got the money. They could make some really outstanding indies into top tier games. Well, they've been sticking with it so far. I mean, this is a, what, third year that they've done it? Yeah, but Fee kind of crashed, I think. Nobody's really talking about that already. Yeah, no. That was kind of their big push. Maybe it sucked. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I actually started it this week, and it doesn't tell you anything. You just It just throws you in, and you figure the game out. And I think that kind of throws a lot of people, but yeah, it's okay so far. Okay. That was about it as far as stuff I'm interested in with EA. Well, the only thing I would go back and touch on a bit more is on Battlefield 5. I've been a pretty big fan of Battlefield. I like the look of it. I've often liked the look of it. I really like how DICE executes its multiplayer. Uh, and the, but the only real new thing I noticed was now the, what used to be the fixed place defensive, uh, weapons like cannons and such can now be moved around with vehicles. So that's an interesting change because I've always felt most of those fixed placement guns were pointless. Well, pointless, not quite right, but a lot of times where the battles end up happening naturally aren't around those weapons, so no one uses them. So now that you could be able to move them, I think we'll let them actually be more meaningful. People very rarely bother with fixed placement guns in the prior Battlefield games. It just makes you a sitting duck. So, So that'll be nice. And they emphasize the destructive elements again which uh is something battlefield's been known for but i felt they got a little too large scale lately with levolution which was like battlefield 4's thing and then the massive behemoth fights in battlefield 1 which was better executed than levolution but still not i i didn't love it i didn't love those aspects of it and being in world war 2 will help because the technology is better it was a bit weird with World War One. I'm glad they did it, but there just wasn't very much weapon diversity, even with them being super liberal and giving you every experimental weapon that was in development. At like, the, we at made the, three like the of last these. Week, yeah. like at the last week of the war, so it was still it was still pretty rudimentary. So I'm looking think, forward to uh, that. Do you think Battle Royale mode could be a lot more interesting with vehicles now? Uh, yeah, I mean Battle Royale. To me, the, the big question is that game type with the, with the shrinking area where you're just forced to fight more and more. I, mm-hmm. I'm not super attracted to that concept. I think with vehicles and such, cause I know there are vehicles in PUBG, for example. And while those were basically death sentences on the PC version, vehicles are the way to get kills on the Xbox One version. Uh, just because of how the controller mechanics yeah. are versus mouse mechanics. So Battlefield is very re- vehicle rich normally. So I think. It, I, th- my thought will be it's probably fun to play. I don't see how it's any more interesting to watch than any other battle royale, which I think is the most boring thing in esports. I yeah. don't know if I would go that far, but yeah, pretty close. Okay. Yeah, watch a guy crouch behind a wall for twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. no, now the only times I've watched any of those, pretty the person I've watched has been drunk and playing as a, in the group play with like four friends who were also drunk, so it was always much funnier. But no, those games don't really have any real watchability. All right, anyone else have any thoughts on EA? 
they should have done a battlefield that went went to like the Zulu War or the Boer War or something like that. That would have been interesting. Because mm. there's That's just DLC. a uh, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there's just a huge passion for the Boer War. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I do appreciate that in Battlefield Five they did give it a V instead of five eyes. Um, <laughs> also, a, a couple quotes from the the Battlefront Two presentation. Uh, the 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 presenter there said both clearly we didn't get it quite right, and we had a rough start. But I really think this game has a bright future. That that is extremely telling. That in a uh, a, a press conference where you are basically cheering about everything you do that they had to address the elephant in the room there. Yeah. No, yeah. they learned a lesson the hard way. I think it could, they've got a rich universe to draw from, so it could be something special over time. But also, in, in, in that vein, uh, several of, like Battlefield Five. They announced there will be no loot boxes and no premium pass, and also uh, Anthem, they announced no loot boxes. Just cosmetics or whatever? Yeah, on, on Anthem, it's premium cosmetics. Yeah. Um, I don't... They really didn't cover, I don't think, about Battlefield Five what their ongoing monetization strategy is going to be. Microtransactions, but they're not hidden as a random loot box. Yeah. Maybe. Be slightly more honest, at least. Yeah. At least if you wanted to buy... It's like, I want that rifle that is just titled God Mode. You can just pay your 50 bucks to get your God Mode. Not have to pay 300 bucks hoping to get God mode in a box. All right. Well, let's move on then to the Microsoft presentation because chronologically it was the next major one. And I will go ahead and take point on that. Uh, there was a lot of announcements. Microsoft went in saying we are going to talk about 50 games. They made it, though that required a little bit of creativity in yeah. terms of a montage. And when you're sitting there, you realize that that was going to be necessary. But they were not messing around. Their presentation was 90 minutes long, not the usual hour they take. Uh, it opened up with Halo Infinite. There was really just a trailer. And what that trailer told you is, this will be a Master Chief game, which you would expect because it is a numbered Halo. Yeah. Uh, they went on to Ori and Will of the Wisps, which we saw a little bit at the prior E3. It showed some of the platforming mechanics that will be involved in that game. Uh, next up was, uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. And I know I'm, I'm kind of tearing through these really quick and then I'm going to pause. And if we want to talk about these games, we can just so you know. Okay. Uh, just, just cause I have so many notes. Uh, this is a From Software game. Uh, From Software is best known for Dark Souls at this point. And, uh, it looked aesthetically a lot like Dark Souls, but also that it had a very different tone. I just mean the art, like the art direction seemed very similar to me. Um, so were there any thoughts on any of those three games? I had the exact same feeling you had on Sekiro. That's, that was my first thought as soon as I saw it was, I thought Dark Souls. Okay. I hate Dark Souls. I think it's one of the most overrated games of the last generation, but I love the look. Yeah. Yeah. This looks great, but I, I don't, I can't deal with the difficulty of a Dark Souls. Yeah. I think they've, there, there has been some reporting after this, uh, where they're trying to get in front of that and saying that it's not really Dark Souls. I think they're trying to compare it possibly more to uh, Tenchu, which I have zero experience with, so I don't know if that helps anyone else. <laughs> it's not Dark Souls hard, it's Ninja Gaiden hard. Oh, okay. It's all right. <laughs> we're, we're all better. Everyone's happy. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, next, and I know this one uh, means something if we hadn't all already played it, I think, and that is Fallout 4 is in Game Pass. Yay! <laughs> So, skipping past that, 
It was, there was some talk of Fallout 76 yeah. at this conference, which was preceding the Bethesda conference. Uh, Fallout 76 is a prequel in terms of chronology. It's about four times the world size that Fallout 4 was, and it takes place in West Virginia. And that's really all we got at this point about the game, but a lot more came out a bit later. And I think yeah. we'll probably touch on that more in the Bethesda conference. Uh, then they talked about uh, The Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit, which is a free game as of June 26th. It takes place in the Life is Strange universe, and there was a bit more about this at the Square Enix presentation. Uh, and then <sighs> what's starting to feel like the Duke Nukem Forever of the Microsoft world, Crackdown 3. It had an awesome Old Spice over-the-top trailer with Terry Crews. It showed some gameplay features, and now they're saying February 2019. Yeah, sure, whatever. What was the original date that Crackdown 3 was supposed to come out? It was supposed to come out with the Xbox One X. That's what I thought. Last fall. I don't think that's even the original one, though. I don't know. That's the last one I remembered. (laughs) Around the time they announced the Xbox One. Okay. So this has been in development in some form or another for close to five years now, I think. I think that's right. Uh, separate from this, but I'll, I'll put it in now because I don't think we'll talk about Crackdown later. Uh, I did watch an interview that took place later at E3 with, uh, Phil Spencer of who runs Xbox, fully runs it at this stage. And he was pretty candid about it. He said that he tried, he play tested the game himself. And while he likes the items and the integration, he doesn't think they got the agents. They're not moving. They don't feel good to play. And so they're holding back on the game because it's still not feeling like a crackdown game. He says it will not take until February to get that game ready. The problem is this fall is so crowded. He didn't name it, but we all know it's Red Dead Redemption 2. Right. You don't go against Rockstar. That they're pushing it to February because they think it'll be more competitive then. That's okay. Take your time as long as it's fun. That's right. I like the first. I, I played the first two. Crackdown was uh, was a fun game. Crackdown 2 was okay, but disappointing. And in that interview, Phil said, I don't want this to be Crackdown 2, a.k.a. Crackdown 1.5. <laughs> so he acknowledges that that one was a turd. Good. Another announcement Good. that I, I imagine Don is familiar with this, Nier Automata is coming out to the Xbox with all the DLC. So yeah, I played a bit of it. That yeah. was one of the big... PS4 exclusives of the last generation. Console exclusives. Console exclusives, yes. Console exclusives. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was interesting. I think it, I, the only reason I can think a game this old was on the stage was twofold. One, it was to show, hey, we actually took a console exclusive and we've brought it over here. And it was a well-regarded game. It was. I enjoyed it a lot. I don't think it took home very many Game of the Year awards, but that's just because 2017 was so crowded with great games. And it grabbed, I, I think it grabbed a couple art. On on its arts mm-hmm. and this and that soundtrack and soundtrack it had a great soundtrack. Eric, did you play Near Automata? No, okay. No, I, I don't have a PS4. I didn't don't remember have a PC that you did. running it. Okay. Yeah, so no, I haven't played Near Automata. And uh, oh, is it Automata? Am I saying automata. it wrong? Almost everyone calls it Automata, but it's Automata like Automaton. But don't I sound better when I say it wrong? I, I'm saying most people say Automata, or most people say Automata. Okay. But I think it is actually Automata. I don't want anyone writing in to rules. fix this. Right. Because well, I, Eric's I, already I'm fixed it. I'm getting ahead it. of it, yeah. yeah. Eric's already fixed it, so I don't want to hear no, it. No corrections. I'm just going to call it Nier. Am I saying that right, or well, is it but Nier? But there's already a game called Nier. That's where things... So Nier Automata Nier. is actually a sequel. Can we call it Nier? I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
next, this is a game I'm excited. I've been excited about since I saw it last year. Metro Exodus. Uh, they had some more in-game footage. That looked it. cool. It. Have you played any of the Metro? Games? I've never played a oh, any of the Metro. So good. I've looked. I've seen them, and it's like it's like. Well, this seems like like really grim, dark Fallout. I would probably like this game, but I've never played any of them. It's yeah, grim, dark Fallout. That the aesthetic is very much that. Think of it as sort of post-apocalyptic Soviet sneaky sh- FPS. There's a yeah. lot of reliance on. It's not a stealth game, but they allow you to stealth past a lot of segments. There's a lot of advantage to staying hidden as long as possible. You can do things in stealth, but it doesn't work on the same, like, oh, you've been seeing meters, and it, it's it's a little different than that. But it is a really competent shooter. But unlike Fallout, the games have always been very linear. They're pretty linear. Yeah. It's not all about exploration. Well, you're so, underground in subway tunnels. Yeah. yeah. Not, not a lot of movement. And bullets are currency in those games, Tony. So not bottle caps. Holdings, you're broke. That's right. Ooh, yeah. No, they sound. They, I've always thought they looked at it, and then it was the trailer last year where the guy fought the bear like on the edge of the cliff or something like that, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it all looked amazing. Yeah, this one's exciting because so much of it is uh, taking place outside, and in the prior two Metro games, outside was a sometimes. It's like a sometimes food. <laughs> it's a sometimes place. Yeah, but it was always really hard to see out there because of the fallout, and you always had to wear a lot of protective gear. This seems to be indicating there are going to be areas that are still pristine on the surface, and it's going to feel bigger. So I think it looks cool. Yeah. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, next next thing. It's on the Microsoft stage, I'm sure, because it's the first time a Kingdom Hearts game will come out for a Microsoft console. Yeah. I know there's people who are deeply in love with these games and are, are they're so excited that this is finally happening because the last Kingdom's Hearts game was what, like five or six years ago? No, like 15 years ago. Well, I, 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 they, they make a lot of those like sides, yeah, the spinoff ones. I thought there was a spinoff one not that long ago. There have been many spinoffs. Things yeah. like uh, and Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop, Dream Drop Distance or uh, Birth by Sleep. Or there's another one that I can. I, there's been like <laughs> the Kingdom four Hearts breeding Kingdom Hearts game. games yeah. that are not, you know, numbered sequels, but remarkably still fit into the story. Um, so yeah, it's probably been about five years since we've seen one of those. But since Kingdom Hearts two, it's been yeah, 2003. Years. It's Square. They're slow. They're yeah. always slow. They and it's not. It's never worth the wait. I I'm not at all excited Amen. about this game. Not at I all. Don't, I played the first Kingdom Hearts and it was okay. I played the first and I didn't finish it. And yeah, it was okay. I was glad to see the gummy ship again. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, gummy ship was cool. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Uh, then their presentation touched on that there are a couple DLC packs coming out for the recently released Sea of Thieves. Translation Please, please, please play this game. We know it's crash and burning bad and everybody hates it. Please play my game, please. There's nothing to do in Sea of Thieves. I know. It was obvious from every trailer. I don't know why like IGN was losing their minds over how awesome they thought it would be. I thought it looked really boring. I did too. And there and the numbers I've seen online show that they had a steep drop off right after it came out. Maybe this will fix it? Maybe. Maybe. I think they just it needs more direction. I got the idea. They were like, here's a playground for you and your friends. There's just not enough toys. It's like there are two waters. There's like two slides, and they're not even water slides. Yeah. You got it. It's just got to be more than that. Then there was some more talk about Battlefield Five. We already touched on that. 
Uh, and then, of course, what surprised no one, because it's that time of year again, Forza Horizon 4 this time. Now set in Britain, it will be in a shared world. So you, it felt like, if you haven't played Horizon 3, it feels like a shared world, except those are all these drivatars, as they call them. They're just AI interpretations of actual people's real profiles based off of how they've played. Now it will actually be the real people who are driving around on the same open area. Yeah, that's not going to backfire at all. I don't know. I it, be all right. It's arcadey, so I don't expect it to be too too bad in terms of like if people hit you and stuff. It's not like your car explodes. It's not burnout. So, yep. uh, and they show they showed some of the features like how you could if you want to choose to group up and participate, you can. They can't like cut in and make you do multiplayer stuff with them. Yeah, if they don't if you don't want to. Uh, 60 FPS mode that excites some people. Um, the big change is that they added seasons. The seasons looked cool. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. Uh, they've, they've done some, they did a few neat things with some weather in packs in the last game, but this is obviously taking that a step further at this point. And so anyway, uh, look, I think Forza, both Forza Motorsport and Forza Horizon rule the racing game universe at this point. I don't think any other games are coming close to their pedigree at this stage. Gran Turismo is a joke. And Forza Horizon is actually better than Motorsport. So it's it's yep. the, it's the best racing game there is. And so you're going to get it? Game of the show. Hmm. So oh, you're going to really? get it? Uh, I probably will, but I'll wait till it's on sale. Dude, you, you know? get a Game Pass. It's free. I'm not doing your filthy Game Pass. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I have Game Pass, so yes. <laughs> Thirty bucks for six months, five bucks a month. Yeah, totally oh, worth. So much money. I got too I much stuff to play. Two cards. <laughs> Look, I haven't even started Dead Rising Four yet. I have too much stuff to play. I just got to pace myself. I'm pacing. I, now, I do like the whole EA All Access the the Game Pass concept. Honestly, I like the concept with how hard it is to buy all the games. If you can just play a game for a little while and decide, oh, I hate this game, and dump it. Yeah. It's a good concept. I'm it is, yeah. And, and and they touch on it a little bit later, and I, and I'll I'll bring that up then because they they did have some news on it. But after they talked about Forza, this is where the this is where the big announcement came in. This is the one to address all of the concerns that defined Microsoft for 2017, which was you don't have any exclusives. Why would we ever buy your product? Sony's got all the exclusives, and so Phil Spencer came on stage and he said, "All right." We are going to have five studios now. We're starting a new one called The Initiative. This one was known because they, the hiring notices were seen. So it's a, it's a brand new upstart Microsoft studio. Uh, so it's also the one furthest behind, but they also acquired four existing studios and put them in as first party entities. So that's Undead Labs. They are who make uh, State of Decay, which was a solid game. Yep. I mean, it got boring and repetitive after a while, but it's one of those open world games and they, a lot of them do that. Right. But the second one just came out and I believe they've already got two million players in it. So yeah. it's going over very well. Uh, then they acquired Playground Games, which does Forza Horizon. They also have, my understanding is, uh, hired up a second development team. The rumor mill is Playground's going to be doing Fable. Hope so. And yeah, it would be nice because that that they still have that IP after closing Lionhead. Right. And it's just a question of, I mean, everyone will hear Playground and go, well, all they know is racing games, but it's a whole separate, different team. It's a Fable racing game. Who cares? Yeah, Fable racing game. Fable carts. (laughs) Fable carts will be better than the Kinect Fable. Chickens instead of turtle shells. (laughs) Uh, the, The fourth 
studio, third acquired, was Ninja Theory, and they are who make Hellblade. Right, and they made that, that, oh, it starts with an S, it was that psychological Viking. Hellblade, Sinuous Sacrifice. Yeah, that was. I've heard good things about that. Yeah. Yeah, This is the one I've heard uh, with the most buzz in terms of, eh, I guess I described it, Sony fans being upset about it. Right. Because they felt this was a studio that was making good good games that the PS4 was getting. Yeah. So, and anything that's currently in the works, incidentally, will still come out. They didn't buy any of the games up. Anything that was being published by someone else is coming out with that publisher. It's just their it's new just the studios, right? So, and the, and the last one was Compulsion Games, which is uh, doing We Happy Few. Anyway, that's an attempt. My from what I have read, Sony operates with fifteen first party studios. This, I believe, brings Microsoft up to twelve. So they did have a significant lag and just in terms of the quantity that they could produce. So th- that was, that was pretty big. That was also really the only non game stuff they talked about at their press conference. After they got done announcing those studios, they went in and talked about We Happy Few. They gave a trailer, which gave a better sense of the single player. Than the old one trailer. It's been in early access for a while now. It's yeah. really been the multiplayer sort of stuff. And uh, I still think this looks really weird. So I'm it very interested in creepy. trying it. I'm not interested in the multiplayer, but I am interested in the single player. Is it actually multiplayer or is it just... Well, so I, I have I played the demo. Anymore. And so after that, you know, initial thing that we all saw at E3 that made it look, you know, kind of like a uh, 1960s mod Fallout, um, then it kind of dumps you into very much a survival sim. And so I think that's where a lot of people had concerns about it is, well, it's just one of those games. And there, there is sort of a story, but it's very much, or at the time, again, I, I only played the, the original demo. At the time, it was very much the story was kind of the, okay, you found a note here or, you know, audio log kind of stuff, not, not a, 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 a core plot to it. So it seemed like they were spending a lot of time getting all the mechanics down, all the systems in place. And so this seems like a reaffirmation that, yes, we're going to make a story-driven game. Okay. I think they pushed the beta too early. Or not the beta, but the demo. I played it too, like a year ago. Yeah. Didn't, didn't do much for me. Yeah, I, uh, I've i not been a fan of it being in early access, much less as long as it has sat in early access as well, because I thought that would perhaps sabotage what... It hurts, I think it hurts the expectations for the game. Uh, actually, Phil Spencer in that other, in the interview was with Jeff from Giant Bomb. Yeah. Was who he interviewed with. It was an hour long interview. Touched on this as well. And he said, that is an example of with their acquisition of compulsion games, Microsoft will fund everything for all these studios now. It's not supposed to be, how do we keep the lights on? It's supposed to be, you make games, we keep you afloat. And that we happy few is in early access because they probably needed to do it just to fund the game development. That will not be a problem going forward. But that doesn't help this game. So it is what it is. But also, interestingly, uh, at that We Happy Few uh, trailer, it looks like Gearbox is publishing it. Yes, and that is going forward. Phil confirmed that. He said, I'm not stepping on Randy's toes. They're going to still publish it. We're not, we are interfering with no existing arrangement. Yeah, it was just sort of a weird juxtaposition of, hey, we just acquired this studio. Yep. And look at the game they're putting out, but we're not publishing. Yep. And he so. said he just he didn't want to up, he didn't want to upset any Apple carts. He wasn't about trying to steal games away from any other publisher or any other uh, or any other console maker. It's just for going forward, 
he wants those creative talents at these studios. That was why he made his yeah. picks. And the Microsoft CEO said, okay, here's your bucket of money. Do it. Bucket of money. I need a bucket of money. I'll start a yeah. studio. Well, that's what he, that's what he indicated. It's been like all this stuff started up in September when he got promoted and he only answers to the CEO now of Microsoft. He's not beneath anyone else anymore. They've got, he's got Microsoft to buy in that they want to stay in on the video game side. They're not spending it off. And so now it's time to compete for real. And what do they have that Sony doesn't? Oh yeah. Money. Lots of it. And this is just a little flex. And he played coy when he was asked because the rumor mill is there's a sixth studio and it's big and it's not been announced yet. And he wouldn't answer that question. I still hope it's Capcom. I was going to say, does it rhyme with Mapcom? Because no. <laughs> our, it could, ne- our, I would tolerate if it rhymes with Mam Guy Camco. <laughs> I just think they need a big Japanese studio to round out their portfolio. Yeah. They're two bro shooters still. This helps, but I want them they to, need, they need to, Get some JRPG stuff or something going on. Not that I'd play it, but no. But I'm just thinking for long term health for the yeah. long term health for the console. Uh, War mode for PUBG that was next up. Uh, do, does anyone care? Does no. any, do any of you play nope. PUBG? Okay, good. No, nope. well, let's not talk about it then. Uh, Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition. So this was the uh, version that was put out only in Japan, only on the PS4. So it's going to come to the States finally. It's going to come on Xbox as well. And Tales of Vesperia was on Xbox, but this added a whole bunch of content. But for whatever reason, they never put it over in the U.S. on anything. Yeah. It's one of those weird things that they do that there's so many games that come out in Japan and then they'll come out with like five DLCs and 13 sequels. And in the U.S., they'll not get any of it. And then they'll put out a new game. It's like, yeah, this is whatever two and it's like yeah this is like the ninth game in the series yep uh <laughs> next up was a another sequel uh the division two which they showed some ba- they gave some basic plot summary of what what the idea is behind the division two and uh showed showed some gameplay footage did anyone play the division no, no. a couple hours what'd you think of it don i'm guessing by a couple hours that you didn't think much it's not for me. It's okay. There was a very difficult boss early on, and they kind of just blocked everything. I had to have a friend come in and show me what needed to happen. It just was too early in the game for that kind of challenge for me. So it should have been a Dark Souls boss, is what you're indicating. <laughs> not that bad, but it just reminded me of, you know, like a, uh, the very last boss of the first Gears of War, Ram. Oh, I got the Ram was terrible. Yeah, okay. I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I. I guess I shouldn't be surprised given how much money was put in the division, but whereas Rainbow Six Siege did really well for Ubisoft, right. I heard the division didn't, and so I was a bit surprised. I honestly didn't expect anything more from the division other than maybe DLC type right, things. I right. didn't expect them to sequel it with all the various issues. I did see they still fell into their trap of, hey, let's write completely unrealistic uh, video game oh, chat dialogue oh, so cringy. and have people read it with like zero inflection for half of the people. Where's Bob? Oh, he's always late. Oh, we need to get him leveled up. No one talks like that. I'll tell you how you listen into one of my Overwatch sessions and you'll know how I talk. I can't do it here. We'd have to bleep because it. I'd have to write There's on so this much notepad. Bleeping. Yes, there would be a lot of bleeping because all I do is get mad and swear. Or when we win, I say, I really like winning. I yeah. say that a lot too. 
So, or like, cause they like, like, yay, we beat the boss. Good job. Let's go to the next thing. Yeah. Yes. No, no, there's nobody, no, no, there's nobody cheering and screaming so you can't hear what's going on because somebody's just screaming because you finally just finished something cool. Yeah. And it could be just because there was absolutely nothing cool. Yeah. But <laughs> so now, uh, Game Pass, they touched on Game Pass, uh, mentioned, uh, some more games. So, Master Chief Collection, Forza Horizon 4, Crackdown 3, those latter two are going to be available day one in Game Pass when they come out. So as Don noted with Forza Horizon, it's a great opportunity. If you don't want to buy the game, you can do it through this very affordable mechanism and get a chance to try it out or play it as much as you want. So that was pretty cool. Uh, they mentioned there will also be more games coming from other studios that will have same-day release. Yeah. So it's not going to just be Microsoft Studios releases. Uh, they mention now that Game Pass has Fallout 4, Elder Scrolls Online, and the original Division. So those are available for people who have that option. And they also talked about later here in June, uh, releasing Fast Start, which is supposed to be two times faster in terms of letting you actually start playing the game. Which I don't, I, the Fast Start idea where the game was supposed to be able to be installing from a disc when you, and you could play it, it, I quit relying on it because it all it looked like in most of the games when I tried it was I can sit and look at the menu. And so, <laughs> I, so this should actually be meaningful if it actually does what it says because I don't start games when they say ready to start on my Xbox. I wait until they're fully installed because half the time I ever tried it, I can't actually play anything. No. Right. I, another example of that uh, is um, I think it was the, the original Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare it would say ready to play and you could launch it and it would actually put you in a unique area that doesn't exist anywhere in the regular game and you could just wander around. There was nothing to play. You could just wander around and shoot for a little bit. So it was almost kind of like a pre-game lobby. <laughs> but it didn't just play do something you else Right, exactly. I'd rather just play something else. So don't tell me you're ready to start if you're not ready to start. Well, they're trying to make the ready to start be smarter so it actually right. will be twice as... Twice a Galaga or something. It's like, yes, I started installing you, and now that you're installing, I'm going to go ahead and go play the Switch now. Yeah, exactly. Or, uh, Geometry Wars, like uh, what Midnight Club used to do. Geometry Wars with the load screen, that's where it came from. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. I thought it was Project Gotham. Oh, Project Gotham, maybe, yeah. Oh, yeah, you thought you were so smart. That's what I'm here for. Keep you honest. Mm-hmm. So after that, uh, we talked a little bit about indie games when we were talking about EA originals. So we'll talk now ID at Xbox. Um, what, if anything, caught your guys' eyes during the, this is where that montage came in to get their game numbers up. I wrote down three that I thought looked interesting to me. And the three I chose were Fringe Wars, which looks like a space battle game. Yeah. Anything that reminds me of Wing Commander catches <clears throat> my eye. Super Meat Boy Forever, because I did finish Super Meat Boy, not Cotton Candy Alley or whatever the super uber hard was, but I did finish the regular story. And Generation Zero, which in my notes, all I wrote down was Robo Dogs? Question mark. <laughs> so those were the three ID games that I thought looked interesting, but I wondered. The big one that jumped out at me was Super Meat Boy. Okay. Just from, we played, we did that co-op Super Meat Boy stuff and it just jumped out at me. Okay. So also below. Uh, which is Capybara's game that has been long in development. I believe they announced that also when they announced the Xbox One. Okay. Don, was there anything that caught your eye that we haven't mentioned? I saw Super Meat Boy stuff, but I haven't even heard of the other ones. 
Oh, no, I missed well, well, they didn't. It was literally just a montage where they like threw the title up in the yeah. lower corner. I actually sat oh. there with my laptop and I was typing them as I saw the ones that I thought looked interesting. They each had about two seconds. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No but idea. I'm just that good. So yeah. It was one of those things that yeah. it was flying and I was just like, okay, what? Ooh, Super Meat Boy. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. So after the ID section, they touched on Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I'm pretty excited about it. I liked the first two reboot Tomb Raider games. Lara Croft is a murder bot now. Yeah, I noticed and, that. Okay. I hate about it. Yeah. The whole run of the The last one you're just killing she was, she was relu- But she was reluctant. Now I think she enjoys the taste of human blood. <laughs> yeah. So she's a murder I'm bot. Kind of done with it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so there's that. Lara Croft, murder yeah. hobo. Uh, a game called Session, which is a skateboarding game, so I have no interest in it. If it's not Skate 4, pfft. It seems like it might be kind of a spiritual successor to Skate, but that, that I'm saying that without any experience with Skate at all. I'm, I'm into it. I'm looking forward to it, but I guess it was 20 bucks if you kickstarted it, and they said it's really rough right now, so. Mm. Well, that would, it might, it might still, I mean, with Microsoft and E3, it could be baking for another three years, we don't know, so. Well, if it if it goes the way that Descenders went, where they just they're constantly adding updates and it's kind of like an early access thing, it could be really cool. Because Descenders, there's enough meat there that it, it's compelling, keeps coming back, but it's still super rough. So, but it keeps your eyes on the prize. Like this is what it could be in your head. I don't know if they build up steam like that. Like I think Descenders is the type of game that keep getting bigger over time. They could roll it out early and just keep building up. I don't know. Okay, I can see that. Uh, next was a game called Black Desert, which I really liked the look of, but then I saw it was an MMO RPG. Yeah, it's so been on computer for years. Okay. It came to PlayStation last year, as I recall. So they just so had it's been out. Of, okay, so yeah. it's just another one of those. We finally got it. So. Right. Because remember, remember when we uh, had our dinner with our friends who live in Dallas? The first year we went to Texas, they were talking about it. Oh, okay. they played because they played oh, it on PC then. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then like last year it came to PS4, and now it's coming to Xbox. It'll be on the Switch next year. It'll be on your phone the year after. It's the new Skyrim. Well, they did announce it at last year's Xbox uh, briefing as well. Okay, I didn't write it down last year, but I've written it down now. Um, Okay, so after that, we had a very interesting trailer for Devil May Cry 5, which apparently is a sequel to the fourth one. They did a like a remake uh, and the aesthetic kind of reminded me of that, but I guess they're chucking out the whole different looking Dante sort of yeah. stuff, but they're still trying to keep this more modern vibe, not go back to the old vibe. I have never played a Devil May Cry. I thought <clears throat> this looked fun, but I don't want to weigh in more I played on like it. the first one, but again, that was what, 20 years ago? Pretty close. Yep. Yeah. So uh, there's no way it's anything more. It has any real ties to what this one's going to be, other than you know the character type stuff. But it was fun game back then. I think I've played all of them except four, and they were all fun. And this trailer looks bonkers. It looks like Dead Rising Four or something. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was cool. Fun. So Don, maybe you can answer a question I had. Is his arm not normally missing? His arm not normally missing. Uh, that doesn't ring a bell. It's been uh, a long time since I played, but yeah, I don't think he had a missing arm. Yeah, I I think when I was speaking to Mike, who was on last year's E3 and is furious that he is not at this year's E3 uh, podcast, is uh, that in four that arm is lost. Mm, okay. So 
it's a continuation, but it wasn't something historic to the series. Right. Well, they seem to be focusing an awful lot on prosthetics. Right. Yeah. And that's not Dante, by the way. Well, that's not Dante. Dante's who rides up at the end. That oh, he's a see, different uh, character. And that was confusing too, because they kind of have the same face. But. Yeah. Yeah. Can't so yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but there were, the crowd reaction was was really positive, probably because the original creator it w- came out on stage and was like, "This is a real sequel," and people like, "Yeah, we love you." Kind of like how Miyamoto always is uh, treated. But uh, okay, so let's see. After that, Cuphead. The DLC, a new aisle with some new enemies and a new playable character. So they mentioned that. Yep. To remember, hey, remember Cuphead? It was our one good console exclusive we had last year. Uh, Tunic. It's Zelda. Yep. Fox Zelda. Fox Zelda. Yeah. Jump Force. What in the world? There have been jump games before. Okay. This isn't, yeah. this isn't something that, that they've had jump fighting games before. It's just, this is the current generation. So I take it this is just like a mix of shonen jump. Exactly. Characters. Okay. Cause yeah. it was like, Hey, look, here's Frieza and here's Goku. All right. I'm thinking it's DLC for Dragon Fighters. Yeah. But and then man, they brought in Luffy and, and, and yeah, I all see. the other Kira from Death Note. And I'm like, what? Oh, what? is that who showed up at the very end? With yes. a Shinigami. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm like, I don't, I, I recognize Naruto. I recognize somebody from One Piece. I recognize Dragon Ball characters, but I don't know who that is. Oh, Death Note. Ooh, it's yeah. good. It's Dark. good. It is oh, good. Dark. Okay, so that looked interesting. Dying Light 2. Uh, I did, has anyone played Dying Light? I have, and yeah. I did not like it. It's on my wish oh, list, but it. I've never gotten it. Well, Don, what did you like about it? Cause I thought it was boring. I thought it was super interesting. You're just constantly trying to. There was like enough survival, but it was arcadey enough so that you weren't feeling bogged down with like trying to keep yourself going. I love the first person parkour stuff. I was a big Mirror's Edge fan. And then, yeah, throw zombies in there. It was fun. Well, I thought the parkour was pretty good. I didn't like the emphasis on melee combat and there was no point in ever being out at night. So it was like, That's just true. don't do it. Yeah. Just don't go out at night is bad. You just die. So, anyway, yeah. it was interesting, but it just, it was rough and I didn't finish it. So. But the parkour system was good because that's something that they were trying to do with a lot of games for a while and some games pull it off okay mm-hmm. and a lot of games yeah, were. Like Brink, it didn't really work. Uh, mm-hmm. I've not played Mirror's Edge though, so I can't weigh in if this was better or worse or the same as Mirror Edge's parkour, but it yeah. was one of the better parkour systems I've played. Yeah, it feels really good. Nice. So anyway, uh, Dying Light 2 looks like it's still got its patented fluid parkour system. Uh, first person melee combat still present, so I will probably not try this game. Uh, but they emphasize <laughs> that choices will have consequences. Uh, and so, and not just, and, and they walk through some examples. It's not just visual. It's how the NPCs and such will interact. So it sounded really, really interesting. It's too bad that I can't trust the combat. So, <laughs> so did you not like the first person melee combat in Dead Island either? No, that one I thought worked fine. Okay, because Techland is who develops Dying Light. They developed the original Dead Island. Yeah, I like the Condemned games. They're very melee heavy too. I just it didn't for me. It didn't work in this one. Okay, probably because I'm climbing up on things, so I'm like, why do I have to drop down and fight now? I should be being able to blow people's heads off because they're zombies and they don't deserve to have heads. <laughs> that was my logic. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, it just it just didn't resonate with me. Uh, then there was a trailer for Battletoads. Why are we? Why do we have to bring this back? Why do we care? Was it, does it count as a trailer? I'm being Yeah, it's a teaser. It has broad, non-specific feature declarations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, 
I couldn't help but think of, of all the IP that Rare has that they don't do anything with anymore. This is the one. It's because of the meme. It, that, it's because yeah. of the meme. That's okay. the only reason. Yeah. Presumably they got some positive feedback when they added Battletoads into Killer Instinct. Okay. It's a rose-colored glasses situation. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's fine. I just thought yeah, people well, now, wanted Ratchet and Clank more or something. Right. Ratchet and Clank's not a... Oh, I mean the... I'm sorry. I mean, we... Van, no, well... Yeah, I did double dragon. No, no, I meant Banjo, oh double dragon. <laughs> or uh, conquers bad fur day. That's what they want. Or Another conquer. No, nobody wants. Viva and in Pinata. fact, in the interview with Giant Bombcast, Phil confirmed we are not doing another Viva Pinata right now because there's a rumor going around that Viva Pinata Island is being made for Sea of Thieves because it's the only way people will play it. <laughs> That'd be cool. It'd be creepy. Keep those pinatas out of my sea. And keep my players out of that sea, too, because no one wants to play it. They're filled with fun. Uh, Just Cause 4. This showed up a couple of times elsewhere. During oh, yeah. Just Cause 4 now. was, like, everywhere. Yeah. It's like, uh, Rico's back, baby. I played Just Cause 2. It was neat, but I didn't love it. I've played Just Cause and Just Cause... I think I've played all three of them. They kind of all blur together for me, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're just about doing crazy, silly stuff. That's all I ever did in them, was do crazy, silly stuff. I didn't really follow story very much. Or, I mean, I did what you had to, but most of it's like, unlock this to unlock that. Unlock this, do this special thing to unlock that. Okay, and now I'm just going to chain stuff together and put rockets on a car and see if I can't blow it through a wall or through somebody. Or Yeah. They've been fun games. They're, they're, they are time wasters that are not ones that you get really, at least I that I would get really involved in. I didn't actually care, but it was fun to just, mess with the systems. Yeah, I'm a fan of the series, and it, it's one that goes down in price really quick, so I'll probably wait for a price. Yeah. Price, but I want to play it again. After that, they did three Gears of War announcements. Which was awesome. It, it was really clever how they ended up doing it, because the first one they announced was an adorable mobile game involving Funko Pop-looking Gears characters called Gears Pop. And the audience was dead silent. Oh, so I laughed. I was I was laughing out loud so hard when it when that happened. They were so mad. They all cheered when that that cog logo uh-huh. showed up. Yep. And then when the little when a little Funko guy popped little Funko. out. Yeah. Yep. Oh, was that so, was so was, good. That was so uh, good. They followed that one up with Gears Tactics, which is basically Halo Wars for Gears. I'm fine RTS, with that. I like RTS. that type of game. So And so the crowd got a little more warmed up, but it was still a lukewarm applause. And then... I was going to say, that seems to be PC only. Yes. The implication. Yes. So. And, uh, and yeah, nobody Phil, wants Phil to play RTS these, without a keyboard right, and mouse. Phil touched on these as well at, during his Giant Bomb interview. And finally they announced Gears 5. Now, it's not Gears of War 5. Now, it's just called Gears 5, apparently. And that's the traditional third-person cover shooter. Yeah. And the crowd... Was like you have redeemed yourself. We will forgive your mean joke on us. I was kind of sad that they actually announced a real Gears game. I knew they were going to from the beginning. It seemed obvious that there's no way they misread their crowd that badly. But then you know it is Microsoft. It was possible that they misread. Yeah, go ice parasailing in that game. (laughs) So Don, are you a big Gears fan? I've enjoyed all of them, but um, I don't know. I just play them because they're fun. I don't Do you, care about the world. Are you, or are you looking forward to, to uh, trying Gears Pop? Nope. Uh, or the uh, or the tactical game I couldn't care less about. But Gears Pop. <laughs> well, Halo Wars uh, was a fun tactical game. Yeah, it was. I'll have to think about if I want to. But I most of the time I have played RTS on the computer, and since it is a computer game, I'm 
I may get it. I'll have to see. I'll have to see what the price is. Uh, that was pretty much it. A few things at the end they touch on in terms of some other stuff. They mentioned that they're working to integrate Microsoft's AI technology that they've been researching into putting it into the actual video game NPCs and enemies to make the games better and more complicated, I guess. Uh, they talked about that they're working on figuring out better ways to stream console quality to any device so you can start letting console quality games be played on your phone if you want to. That was the main the example. The Microsoft version of Steam Link. Yeah. Uh, they, they did confirm what was already known for Sony, and I think surprised no one, that they are actually in the process of building the next generation of console so that their team is, their hardware team is active on that. And that obviously that they're working on building up the first party system of studios, which was clearly indicated when they mentioned the five, yeah. the four acquisitions and the one new one earlier. Uh, and then at the very end, they did the teaser trailer for CD Projekt Red's next game there, who did the Witcher series and it's Cyberpunk 2077, which a lot of people have gone bananas over. Uh, because there was no gameplay, I didn't really get excited about it, but I really liked Witcher. Witcher 3 was great. Witcher 2 was a lot of fun as well. I've not played the first one. But. It's also notable because they announced Cyberpunk 2077 like five years ago. Yeah. And there was a tiny, like, I don't know, 10 second or less teaser. And that's literally everything that they have publicly released up to this point. So this was a huge amount of content, relatively speaking. Yeah. Actually, Game Informer podcast, my other favorite video game podcast, they got to play it and they could, you know, you can't see it, but they were able to talk about it all and it sounds really interesting. I wasn't that interested until I heard them talking about it. Yeah. But they seem to believe that it is not going to be on the Xbox One. It's going to be on Scarlet and whatever PS5. We'll see. Uh, Now, I did see, I read an article that uh, CD Projekt Red said it is being built for this generation. Oh, okay. But I mean, th- that article came out after that podcast because that article came out like yesterday or the day before. Okay. Maybe it'll be a dual thing, kind of like Destiny was. Yeah. So, uh, anyone else have any thoughts about the Microsoft press conference? One thing that I thought was a little odd is on stage, they had like dozens of demo stations, and yet they only used them once during the entire presentation for that one. Yeah, that was really weird. So I'm wondering if there's probably an explanation for it, and it's probably that they were holding, uh, FanFest or whatever their, their, their fan gaming, uh, convention there. And they just reuse the stage. That, that's the I, only logical explanation I, I can I have come to up agree with. Because with otherwise, you. that was super weird. It, it was weird no matter what. Because it would have taken 10 seconds to say, and all these consoles behind me will be used later for all of right. our fans to play our games. They, they just right. didn't even acknowledge it. No, and that was weird. Like, that, ignore yeah, that the, me ignore the well, They could just walk back there and started grabbing consoles yeah. and pull the whole yeah. opera Ignore the thing land party behind the scenes. And you get a console, and you get a console. Just start slinging consoles into the crowd. They were XDKs. They were not production consoles. That was another interesting aspect of it, which makes sense if they were showing off uh, early uh, gameplay, oh, because you need an XDK to do that. Did they have a car on stage? No. no. Oh, what a what a miss, huh? First year they haven't had a car on stage, maybe that was just the filler then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was surprisingly low-key in terms of um, just like pomp. There yeah. wasn't a whole lot. They They were you know, and they and Phil announced it at the beginning. They were absolutely focused on. We're going to talk about fifty games, and that's what they did. And then they left. Yep. Yep. All right, Eric. Let's move on. 
you get to take point on Bethesda, the single-player champions of this generation, some have said. In fact, they themselves said back at the game show when they got Linda Carter of Wonder Woman fame to do a funny sort of spoof uh, medical commercial about how you need single-player games in your life. Yeah. So, right. Eric, well, and t- tell me about Bethesda. Linda Carter future. is like married to one of the higher-ups at Bethesda. That's, mm-hmm. that's part of where that comes from. And she also appears in Fallout 4. Yes, I remember her in Fallout 4. Yeah, so that's, she also, that's, that's all part of She it. also appeared as Wonder Woman. She did. So you give Certainly. her credit for it. I, I wouldn't want to take that away from her. If she were in a, a Hideo Kojima game, she would probably appear as Wonder Woman. Or, as a, we'll get to that or as a fetus. Mm, yeah. Uh, okay, <laughs> so I actually watched a good... Well, no, I'm, I don't know if I watched the whole thing or not, because uh, my, my please stop for this E3 is pre-shows. Uh, so I did watch part of the pre-show for Bethesda, and it was cute. And there was a bit of a recruitment video, similar to the pre-show for EA. Um, and I have concerns there, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so the the theme for this Bethesda E3, E3 showcase uh, is create. So that's presumably what the through line is for all of this. So uh, the first game that they go and talk about is Rage 2. Um, which they, they, they did actually make a call out of thanks to our friends at Walmart Canada for helping us announce that. That was humorous. That, that was pretty good. Um, then it was ruined by the music. Andrew WK is Andrew WK. It, it's, so I, I do have a note on that, that. That's probably the chillest audience for Andrew WK ever. Because people were maybe swaying in their seats a little, but I think he probably expects a little more activity out of his audience. It was, it was, it was the most pop sounding heavy metal lyric thing I've ever heard in my life. I think that's life. kind of his thing. Don, are you yeah, a big Andrew WK fan? Because you like awful music. Yeah, I, I saw him live uh, 20 years ago or so. <laughs> oh, I didn't know <laughs> he was that established. Wow. 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 So, But in, in terms of Rage 2, the actual game, um, it looks like Rage. Whatever version of id tech that they're dealing with at this point looks real good. Then 80% of its population is dead. There's a lot of driving. It's a seamless open world. Um, I didn't realize at the time, but I, I, I understand it now. There was a weird commercial break-in. I thought that was supposed to be part of the game, but that was just them announcing the uh, the special edition where you get the Billy Bass-style mutant thing. Yeah. Uh, Basically, it, 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 it's like Mad Max 2. Who here has played Rage 1? I have not. Very, very briefly. Okay. I won that game. There is no reason for there to be a sequel. Okay. And I, it, it's, it's shooting mechanics were very tight. And this looks like it's still going to be really tight. The story was terrible though. And so all it had were its visuals and its mechanics. And maybe, and maybe that's enough, but this isn't a pinball machine. So I really was surprised that Walmart indicated that there would be a rage too, because I didn't think that rage deserved it. And when I look at Rage 2 and what they've shown, it looks like they've changed the tone. Rage 1 was not silly. This looks like well, Dead Rising levels of silly. I I, I seriously thought yeah, that it felt like somebody started developing a sequel to Mad Max and they didn't get the license and then they just rebranded. Hmm. I don't think that the original Rage was that far off of that anyway. 
No, I mean, it was post-apocalyptic, but I just, I'm just no, I guess they've decided we just have to add humor to this because we don't know how to write a good story for it. <laughs> well, also, it doesn't fit so well in Bethesda's catalog to have two super serious post-apocalypse That's a good point. open world what, games. That's a good what's point. the other super serious post-apocalyptic open world game? What? Fallout. Are you serious? I don't I consider Fallout better dead than red. You have the giant robotic Abraham Lincoln. There is nothing serious about that series. It's not as silly as this was. It seems like they just wanted That's to make a yeah, crazy, silly, over-the-top action game. And if they had made Fallout 5 like this, it would have been... It, that's true. That That's a valid point. Yes, these, these are relative positions here. <laughs> okay. I just thought it was interesting. But okay. Yeah, so no, it, it is super interesting that they're making a Rage 2. Um, like, like, I don't have enough experience with the original one to, to say whether this is a good idea or not, but it looked fun. Uh, it looks fun, yeah. It, the shooting looks good. So, and big boss monsters. We'll find out. Yeah. Um, so I think the next thing they talked about was Elder Scrolls Legends. The, that's the card, the collectible card game. Yeah, that's collectible card game. Yeah. I, I was a little confused because yeah, they it's like, like on four Elder Scrolls games during this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Legends is there, is there, hey, look, we can be Hearthstone. Yeah. Yeah. Or we, we can be Gwent. <laughs> it apparently will put a beard on you. So yeah, that's going to be available later this year for consoles. It's currently available on mobile and PC. Uh, then they did kind of a, hey, Elder Scrolls Online still a thing. It's super popular. We're going to make it better. More stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that anyone's tied to that one anyway. Then they announced Doom Eternal. So a sequel to the Doom... 2016 reboot, yeah, Doom 2016. I guess that's the better, the best way to, to put that. Um, says there's going to be twice as many demons. I guess it is going to at least partially take place on Earth, so that that fits in with you know Doom 2. Uh, they're going. They didn't really have much to show, just that they're going to debut that at QuakeCon in August. It looks awesome. Trans- Without seeing it, awesome. yeah, the teaser yeah. was super it's awesome. Yeah. Doom was such a good, amazing game. It was it was such a perfect throwback to the old. And it made me happy in so many different ways that, yeah, I look forward to this. Yeah, yeah no, I've, you know, good. I've enjoyed my time with Doom 2016. Um, I just sort of gravitated more towards Wolfenstein, so I haven't gotten back to it. Uh, they talked about Quake Champions a little bit, um, which is still in early access, and you can go sign up to play it. It still looks like Quake 3 with a bunch more characters. It seems a little bit like their attempt to do... Uh, Overwatch. It's just like a hero shooter. Yeah. Like any, yeah, I don't it, know. It, it looks very much like a hero yeah. shooter. There's like a waste of, of assets. You don't compete with Overwatch. So right. No I think their whole thing is, hey, this is fast, super fast, and mm-hmm. it's got all the crazy Quake stuff that you remember and liked back in the day. Except for the thing is, is right. everybody who remembers playing those Quake games back there don't have the reaction times to play those <laughs> games anymore. I thought it looked really desperate, actually, for them to bring this back up. Yeah. Because they already made, I don't, I think they misread the market on this one. Mm-hmm. I think it was a huge mistake on their part to make it a PC only release. So they already alienated a lot of shooter fans by being elitist. And it just, it's in a market where there's already a quality saturation. So they're trying to compete for space on an old IP. And I just don't think it's going the way they want it to based off the early access numbers. And this was an attempt to remind people that it's out there. Just wait till they announce the Battle Royale mode. Uh, yes, I'm sure. Yes. Because everything needs a Battle Royale. Yes. That seems likely. It does. I hope the new Lego game has Battle Royale. 
Battle Royale Overwatch. I would probably be in for a Lego Battle Royale. Mm. Um, okay, so next they talk about Prey, uh, and there's going to be a huge free update. And then they talk about uh, some... So they're adding some some new modes with the update. A story mode, a new game plus, and a survival mode. Uh, which I think the survival mode... Well, no, it looks like the... So they're also uh, announced some DLC called Moon Crash, which appears to be more of a roguelike uh, with randomized runs. I thought that looked really interesting. The way it's just... Both the trailer, how they put it together, and... Because I like roguelike type games and this and that. I thought that looked like a real interesting little thing. But I think it could also be something where you get real sick of it real fast. It is out now, but unfortunately, uh, you do have to buy that. So, because I'm seeing it try, as I'm trying to wrap up Prey, it's trying to get me to buy the moon, yeah. the moon thing. And I'm not, because I don't want to spend more money. But, yeah. And I think that the other, the free update stuff I be- is also out already oh, as okay. well. So, I think I already installed it. Yeah, they also talked about a multiplayer mode called Taipon Hunter, which I don't know if that is now or later. Uh, probably later. I don't think I've seen it in okay. there yet, but I, I may be yeah, wrong. It later this year. Yeah. All right. So next up, they talk about Wolfenstein. Uh, and first announcing, or not really announcing, but confirming Wolfenstein 2 on the Switch. It's coming uh, June 29th. Um which, if you haven't played that game and you've only got a Switch, then I would recommend playing that. However, if you have any other console, I'd probably recommend playing it on that <laughs> instead. I don't know that there's a whole lot to be gained by playing that game portably, um, and I feel like there's probably going to be a similar problem of the cartridge only has half the game on it. Uh, but they did announce a new game called Wolfenstein Youngblood, uh, which is set in the 1980s and stars uh, BJ and Anya's twin daughters, uh, it looks like it's both a single-player or co-op game, so that's interesting. Um, and not a whole lot more information on that. Uh, I will say that I was hoping that there would be another game before they did something like this. So, uh, I don't think that this is necessary. I think this might be one of those things where they're throwing out they're they're throwing out somebody had an idea for a sideline game, so they're throwing out a sideline game. But that doesn't mean there's not going to be another game that potentially takes place before this or potentially right, no, slides no, in somewhere else. Because this sure feels like open. they're just, it's like, hey, we've got all the assets, we've got the engine, and we had this idea, and people want a co-op version, so we'll make a co-op game and roll it out there. Right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I hope they get back to and and round out the, the, the trilogy that they've started there. Um. Then they talk about VR for a little bit, so that, that going back to Prey, that Typhon Hunter is going to be available in VR, and there's also going to be a Wolfenstein product called Wolfenstein Cyber Pilot. Uh, then they have a brief interlo- interlude for a very expensive joke, Skyrim Very Special Edition, uh, with Keegan-Michael Key, and he's playing Skyrim on his Alexa. Uh, they also make jokes about playing it on Etch-A-Sketch, Pagers, and Smart Fridges. Uh, At least they can embrace the the joke that their treatment of Skyrim has become. Right. Uh, though my understanding is Skyrim Very Special Edition on Alexa is actually a thing. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah. So. Don's probably that's, already that's... won it. <laughs> I have not tried it, no. But, I've played other games on Alexa. It's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, him him trying to shout Fusroda and completely messing up his coffee table was a pretty good bit. <laughs> right. Then they spent a good long while talking about Fallout 76, uh, which I think that's where most of our discussion is probably going to center around from this. There's a lot to say here. Uh, I think we've already covered it's four times the size of Fallout 4, um, though how you can multiply 4 by 4 and get 76. Uh, it takes place in West Virginia. There's a lot in this. Uh, key, key elements are that it appears to be a primarily multiplayer-focused game. Uh, and that's probably the thing that's going to be most divisive for fans of Fallout games. Yep. That's definitely my biggest issue with it. They did uh, try to get in front of that and say that you can absolutely play that solo. And also talk about that we're talking about dozens of players, not thousands of players, in a given world. Which is smart of them. Yeah, I think yeah. even a dozen might be heavy, but it's definitely, I mean, because if it was like Elder Scrolls online level of players trying to play, no, 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 no. And, you know, it, the the idea is that the multiplayer part is going to be seamless. It seemed kind of like how, uh, what we were talking about with Forza Horizon 4, where, you know, people will just come in and out. There's not going to be a, you know, so-and-so joined or that kind of a... You know, no lobbies or anything along those lines. Um, they they had some cute Vault Tech videos to explain some different concepts, uh, like base building and uh, working together. And you can call nuclear strikes and apparently make I don't know permanent changes to the map because if you nuke a city, it's not going to be. You know, nobody's going to nuke this city. They're going to nuke Bob's house that he's been playing by himself. He built up his own little base. He doesn't want to interact with anybody. He's just a good old boy. And then they're going to drop a nuke on him because it's multiplayer stuff on the internet. Yeah, that that would be the, the question I would have is if, you know, if you've got 12 people in your game, whose world is that? And if you make a change like that, how does that affect everyone else? They said you can block that stuff too. Okay, you don't want it because I mean, if I mean, if it was something where you could set it up so you know you played with you and your buddies and that was it, that would be awesome. But I'm I don't sure, want to be yeah, walking around and have just random it. people come in and, and and smash my stuff up and gunning me down in the middle of a big old fight with crazy monster badger things. So. I guess what what's everyone's thoughts just overall based off of all that information on. Fallout seventy six. Are you excited I'm a fan about it? I'll play it. I'm not necessarily super. Are you excited a day one it. buyer of it? Probably not. Now I did day one buy Fallout four for the disappointment. As I say, I have like two hundred hours in that game. So yeah, so disappointing. Don't look you, at don't you, look you, at me. Don't look at me. You're really show, you're really showing you're really showing your frustrations with it. <laughs> uh, Don, what's your inclination on Fallout seventy six? I'm a fan of the series. I have almost no interest in this. I don't like playing online with people. I don't like the base building stuff in 4. I don't like survival games. Um, I kind of liked Red Dead Redemption online, and this kind of seems similar. But I will probably wait. I'm not interested in it. It's just not for me. It's yeah. probably cool for other people, though. Yeah. Uh, I guess my thoughts probably most closely align with Don's on this. I'm not actually inclined to get this one uh and i may eventually but the and i liked red dead uh, online but i didn't like the base building in four at all 
I just, I thought I found it frustrating. I only did it for achievements. I, yeah. I didn't actually enjoy yep. doing it. And I liked everything else about four. I thought the nuclear missile strike addition to this is silly. And I didn't think it deserved to even be pushed as hard as it did. Some people may really like doing that sort of stuff. I just didn't think it was very interesting. And the big thing for me that I like what, what pushes fallout over the edge for me over elder scrolls isn't that it's sci-fi versus fantasy so much as vats and if this is a like an online cooperative thing i can't imagine vats is in it no and if there's no vats i don't want to play it right that that was something i noticed is they never showed vats during any of because how could it if you're working together you can't be having everyone pausing each other's game that sucks that is just griefing waiting to happen yeah exactly so i can't imagine it has vats and that's that's is Fallout for me. That's how I do all my combat. Right. It could now, set it could set a ten second timer or something like XCOM where everybody makes their move mm-hmm. in these ten seconds and then it completes yeah. the move. Yeah. I just, could be. I and just, now, I just something they couldn't have done with Fallout three or, or or New Vegas, but Fallout Four does have a better shooting system. Because playing Fallout Four, there was not always, but there was more time where I would spend time not using bats in combat. Mm-hmm. Well Fallout Four just had a better engine. Right. The people didn't have creepy plastic face syndrome either. Right. See, my hope was for them to use the Fallout 4 engine uh, setup to do re-releases of, like, 3 or New Vegas. Because my biggest problem with 4, and which is going to be the problem here, is the story mode losses and the skill mode losses. And the the not being able to make cho- talk to people and have oh I have this skill so it may, gives me lots of extra choices or or not being able to do the hey I'm doing a moron run so I get tons of extra special choices because I've got an intelligence of one but I don't know we'll see so that's all I've got on Fallout seventy six uh, then they talk about the Elder Scrolls Blades um, which is a new Elder Scrolls game. Tailored very much for phones and tablets. Right. Uh, they they even go out of their way to say that it can be played in portrait mode. Yeah. It looks like it would be a good version of one of those things. <laughs> um, it's also coming out for consoles, PC, and VR. So we'll we'll see. Um, it's coming this fall. It's going to be free. I yeah. don't see myself playing this, but I'm also not much of an Elder Scrolls fan. Yeah. Um, I've, I I've play not it. played any Skyrim, and I have played just a tiny bit of Oblivion. So, Don, Don you're going to get this, huh? Yeah, I'll definitely get this. It I'm looks not- like they did, kind of dumbed it down enough for mobile. And it looks fun. That's, see, that's my concern, though. Is so many of these mobile-ish games I've played have been just so terrible. I'm getting I'm getting burned on mobile games, period. Yeah, we'll see what it ends up being. I like that if they thought far enough ahead you can play it in portrait mode, then it's got to be pretty... Simple. If yeah. I can just explore. And if I can explore that world on my phone on the go, if I got five minutes here or there. Uh, that's why I put more time into Elder Scrolls on or uh, Skyrim on Switch because I could just play it whenever I wanted. I didn't have to turn on the TV and all that. The same kind of thing. Yeah, it makes sense. Then they announced their first brand new original franchise in 25 years. It's called Starfield. It takes place in space. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, and then finally, they announced Elder Scrolls 6 and gave even less information than about Starfield. That's because Elder Scrolls 6 was, that's what everything online was. And they're like, oh, God, if we don't even say something about this, we are boned. Yep. <laughs> yeah, online does not interest me. And I'm a huge 
uh, Elder Scrolls fan. So, yeah, yeah no. this is on the next console. Obviously, it needs to be. Yeah. It's been almost eight years since the last one came out, or almost seven years since Skyrim came out. Well, and the way they were talking, because they, 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 they said that Elder Scrolls Six is the game that's coming out after. So we're looking at least another four years, would well, be my guess. They, they launched they launched uh, Oblivion about eight months after the 360 came out. And if it's in a similar ballpark for whatever the next, you know, for Scarlet, then that's fine. <clears throat> well, what is the time? Do we have a timer on, on, on the next generation consoles? The last I heard was still, they're talking four to five years yet. Well, the, they're saying 2020 now. 2020 is the current. Yeah, that's what they're saying now. now? The yeah. manufacturers have not years. said that. But that's where all the rumors are, unofficially, 2020. And given how long the architecting period is, it's probably because they can only go so. Otherwise, the technology falls too far behind. So I think 2020 is that's the number I'm operating under at this point. Is 2020 will probably see the announcements at E3 and they'll be out for the Christmas season. I could see that. That's my guess. And I think Sony and Xbox will both do it 2020, and Nintendo will not. That's my guess. I think we'll see a switch, like a new switch. A Switch Slim? New in quotation marks. Kind of like they do with the 3DS. Like yeah. The oh, sure. I, I, I won't be surprised if we see like a Switch S where it's got a better battery life or something going on with it. Yeah. It's got a lot of problems that need fixing, and I can see them fixing them. And you guys didn't really say anything about Starfield, but we all want it to be Fallout in space, right? That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. In my mind, that's what it is. It's just, it's it's the Fallout games, but in a sci-fi world. Like, like, like in space sci-fi level world. That's what I want. Mass yeah, I would like it. Yeah. I would like it. Or if, if it's not that, then Wolfenstein in space. That would be acceptable as well. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Any other thoughts on Bethesda stuff? No? They're, they did a better job than some of the people, but they need to learn. Somebody needs to set them down and talk to them. And it's like, your developers and head people are obviously all completely terrified of talking in front of large groups. So you need to either bring in people who actually are used to talking to large groups or give every single person up their volume before you put them on stage because they all looked like they were about to crap themselves. The ones who didn't look like they were just stammering because they could not continue in front of so many people. You're talking about right after Andrew. Yes. Yeah. That was awesome. But that wasn't the, he wasn't the only one. Several of the people who came out to talk, you could see them physically shaking and having issues up there with the talks. I think they need to either do some training or find community managers. And instead of just really, well, this is our lead developer, bring, this is a community manager. Cause the community manager guys they brought out, they were all solid in front of people. They were able, they moved freely. They talked. They didn't look like they were about to stroke out. Yeah. They need a major Nelson. Yeah, they need something. And they just can't have Todd Howard do everything. Yeah, well, Pete Hines was good. Yeah, he was fine. Um, But, yeah, I mean, like, uh, Tim Willits and then it was Magnus was the guy. Yeah, oh, Magnus. I felt bad for Magnus. Yeah, he he was struggling a little bit. Um, Part of it could just be, Frank, I think there are too many people at that thing. Probably. I think they have scaled up too far. I think they need to scale back because there's just too much. They're, they're trying to make it in too much of a, like, arena event. And I think they would do better to go with something a little more intimate if they're going to continue uh, using the developers, which I, I prefer personally. 
because again, uh, although the the the, uh, the the they were community managers in the pre-show, they were fine. There are a lot of like EAs uh, pre-show hosts were very very access Hollywood talking heads. <laughs> you don't want I, that. I don't need that. No. Um, so yeah, I mean that that would be my. My my thing again is yeah if they can find a way to make the the presenters more comfortable that would help a lot. Um, they were they spent a lot of time kind of begging for applause. There there was a lot where like I, I say something now I'm holding my hands out clap please, and that was that that made it more awkward than it needed to be. Yeah, I understand that sometimes you have to pause because you're expecting people to clap, but they're also expecting you to keep talking. So it's it it, it is it is a skill they need to work on. Okay. Well, the next major presentation was Square Enix and Tony. I think major is a terrible word to have used right there. They were on the official big schedule, so we're They gonna, should not have been on the official big schedule. But they were. So, so you, we will, you, will, you will help us. I will help you. I will cover Square Enix. It was 30 minutes of them showing stuff that they showed more of with every other place than they did on the Square Enix panel. Except for maybe... John Rambo Raider. But we'll start at the beginning, which was Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which they showed a fair amount of, ga- uh, a fair amount of gameplay. They showed like a opening fight sequence and this and that. It, it looks cool. I, I did put down in my, my notes that it feels like they turned Laura Croft into John Rambo. I mean, I was waiting for her to come busting up out of the water with a knife in her, in her teeth and, and a machine gun to hose people down. Yeah, Murderbot. Yeah, but it it looks it looks interesting. It looks good. I've played the first of the new Tomb Raiders, and it was fun. So, but again, we've talked about that in Xbox already. The next one was something that makes more sense for them was the uh, Stormblade expansion for Final Fantasy fourteen, which made me realize that Final Fantasy fourteen is still a thing. I thought that was done and gone. Um, it it's an expansion to an MMO. That yeah. none of us play. Well, maybe Don yeah. plays it. Don, do you play Final Fantasy fourteen? Nope. Okay. Now Ryan Tony's right again. Yep. And then there was the weirdness that that I actually had to back up the video and rewatch it. They had the Final Fantasy fourteen Monster Hunter World crossover thing. I'll be honest. I did not look any farther in this to find out what that was because by the end of the Square Enix show, I just decided they were mainly high. Mm. But it looks strange and weird because this isn't the only weird crossover thing they, that was shown as a little clip at the end of showing something major. And they didn't really go into any of the, any of it in the show itself. So I don't know if somebody else found something in the news later that they looked up and saw or if they had a huge interest in it, but it was just weird looking. Then they talked more about Life is Strange, the awesome adventures of Captain Spirit, which we talked about with Xbox. Yeah. And then they announced uh, Dragon Quest Eleven: Echoes of an Elusive Age. It's a new Dragon's Quest game. I thought it looked kind of cool. It looks a lot different than how I remember Dragon Quest back in the day when right. I played it. But I haven't played Dragons. I know there's been some newer ones that are supposed to be really good, but I've not played where, a Dragon Quest. Where was since, the like, Metal Dragon Slime? I didn't see a Metal Slime, so I wasn't I bet there's a Metal Slime in it. Well, they didn't show it in the trailer, so I wasn't interested. Yeah. Yeah, the um, the art style, that that is consistent with more recent ones. Is okay. it? Um, 
and it is consistent with Akira Toriyama. Yes, that was very sure. So that that has been the character artist for the entire series. It's just a matter of technology had to catch up. Sure, I understand. Yeah, I I I I don't play Dragon Quest games other than Dragon Quest Builders on the Switch. Um, That's the first one I've played since maybe Dragon Warrior Two. Yeah. I haven't played one in so long, it's not even a real thing. Don, did you pre-order this? I will definitely buy it probably day one, but okay. I did not pre-order. I could, tell, I could tell by how you were quiet that you were a big Dragon Quest. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, feel it. I, I agree with Eric. Builders is probably my favorite, but I like the series quite a bit. Well, they followed that up with another weird crossover thing, which was the Final Fantasy Brave Exvus, which is the... Mobile game. I've played it a little bit and quickly deleted it because it's like, ah, no, I don't want to do this. Cause it's, it's very formulaic mobile game where, you know, you, you get characters and get stronger characters and pay money to get better characters. And that's a, with a Dragon's Quest crossover. So yeah, it's just one weird crossover thing. Uh, then they announced Babylon's Fall. They didn't really show a whole lot. I mean, it was enough that you tell it was like this fantasy thing, but I couldn't get a good feel for what it was at all from the, the trailer I saw. Yeah, I don't have an opinion on this post after the show. I right. Just found- yeah, it was like, I was like, okay. I mean, that's, I don't know. Yeah, they did announce that Platinum was working on it. Uh, but that's, that's all you need to know. Well, yeah. but is it good Platinum or bad Yeah, that's platinum? the thing. That's exactly what I thought when I saw Platinum, because Platinum is very hit or miss. They right. either seem to have a very successful game or Turd Burger. It's right. Just a, it's like there's no oh, in-between. Cool. I think you misspoke it, about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh. <laughs> that was the bad one. I, I hear that was a bad Platinum game. I have was not a bad played Platinum that one, game. so I can't say. The Transformers one was good. Which one was good? The Transformers, Transformers. one. Yeah, I, I like that, that one. And I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. So well, let's it. It looked it looked interesting. Yeah, no, it looked interesting. There so, just wasn't a. It, it, it was a tease. Good it didn't look like there was any gameplay. Let's no, there was. Good. That's the thing. It it's, doesn't matter. Don is going to get this game. He's going to tell us if it's good. Okay, if it's good platinum. That's your homework. Thank you, Don. <laughs> uh, they talked about the near automata coming to Xbox. Automata. Like I said, automata, people yeah. say automata. They ca- they 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 talked about semi naked two B coming to Xbox. Mm-hmm. And then they showed something that actually caught my interest. Octopath Traveler. Oh, this looked cool. It looked cool. It kind of had the the old school Final Fantasy feel to it. From what I've seen from the other stuff is it's actually a a, a the turn-based style of RPG like we had back in the day. Um, as opposed to the real-time stuff that's become the norm anymore. And it looked cool. I mean... Cool. You have a Switch, right? Oh, yeah. No, it's on my list. It's on my short list. Well, if you have a Switch, there's two demos for it. And the one that was released this week, uh, the save carries over. It's called a prologue, I think. Really? I'll have about an hour of it. It's it's a three-hour demo. I'll have to grab the demo. Whatever character you want out of the eight and start playing. I picked a hunter, and I did not like her, but I liked the last demo, and I'm really excited for this one. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't. I hadn't even looked for a demo. The only thing I've been playing on Switch lately is Stardew Valley. So... Which is why I don't own that on the Switch. Because I have to, I have to water my crops and and turn my eggs into mayonnaise. You don't have to though. There's no. I know it doesn't go away. Timer. It's it's yeah. There's no progressive timer. It's just sometimes it's like I want to play a little something, and that's what I play. So I hear you. I hear yeah. You. It, it, I'm trying to. I'm we'll trying. Try trying. 
Yeah, I'll have to get the demo for that. Anyway, don't be, her name's like Hannah or something. Don't be the hunter chick. She's no fun. Okay, too serious. Well, see, and I normally, I normally jump to radiate to a hunter or ranger type class for. It doesn't always work out for me, so it's not uncommon for me to find something else. But well, yeah. we have different tastes, though, so you might like her. Yeah, I, I like the. There's like a prostitute. She was pretty fun, and there was. I think there was like a thief or something in the other one. You could only be two of them in the last demo. It do, it, it uh, doesn't I matter. I I have to play a prostitute now. I believe okay. she's officially it a means dancer. Like persimony or something. <laughs> dancer. Dancer, yeah. Exotic. <laughs> <Dancer>. <laughs> Regular dancer. There's actually a history of Final Fantasy games with dancers. With the dancers, yeah. Renaming things that are very much not just dancers into dancers. Right. She's a prostitute. I'm going to play a prostitute now. All right. No, it, it's something like that. They don't call her a dancer. I forget what they call her. Oh, maybe it is it's not sex like worker, but I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, I downloaded the original she, demo, but I have she, not she, she is a a a a, a mattress tester. Um, She's a cool character, though. I like yeah. playing her in the last. I'll time. give it a try because now I now now yeah, I have okay. to. Uh, yeah. They talk some more about Just Cause Four. Uh, they talked about the now, now. They did talk about what I didn't notice in the stuff in the trailers and stuff. Some of the extreme weather stuff, like the tornadoes wiping out and and shooting cars into tornado. Okay, that could be cool. And like we talked about with Just Cause, for me, Just Cause is, is a screw around simulator. So that just makes it more fun to me. Uh, then they talked about uh, the Quiet Man, and it was again another trailer that seemed to show non gameplay. And didn't really tell you anything about it, except you play like a deaf guy and you beat people up. I think part of that was gameplay, actually. Was it? So there, there is a there is a transition, sort of like how uh, Tekken Six does it, where it transitions from a cutscene to gameplay seamlessly. But the the only key that kind of helped me there is that the faces got flatter because it almost looked live action in the beginning, right? And then suddenly everyone's face was a little less detailed. During the actual fight, uh, maybe, maybe I mean that so would make. I think s- that might be how it goes. It feels a lot like um, what was the the game on the PS2? It was near the launch, the bouncer. It felt a little bit like that to me, hmm. like, and that's that, that was a Square game. So if they are still working with that studio, then that would make sense for that studio to make something like that. But that is entirely, you know, speculation slash wishful thinking on my right. Mind. That's one thing when these games, and they do all the, I understand why they do this stuff when they show it and they show the tech and there's no UIs or anything, but at the same time, it really annoys me because I feel like having an idea of the UI would give you a better feel for the game itself. Maybe it won't have a UI though. Right. Oh, geez. That's maybe, a thing now. But maybe it's, I won't play It's very much a thing it. in the Metro games. Yeah. As a sure. small callback. That's right. Don, are you going to get the quiet man? Nope. <laughs> no live action trailers. Let's just stay away from them. Yeah. Yeah. And then they talk more about Kingdom Hearts 3. I mean, Square Enix's entire show had no reason to exist. It feels like they went, this is our stuff. And we're kind of just res- making sure where you know that we still exist as a company. And we're holding this position so next year we can do the same, do a show again that maybe we'll actually show something. Because all they really showed that wasn't shown elsewhere that I know of was what, the Babylon's Fall and the Quiet Man? Or did I miss those in somebody else's show? No, I don't recall them anywhere else. Oh, and of, of course, yeah. uh, Final Fantasy XIV. Right. Right. Was Dragon Quest XI shown elsewhere? Uh, not that I recall. Not, yeah. Okay. So, okay, they showed some stuff that wasn't shown, but they didn't really show much of anything. Well, it was only a 30-minute presentation. I know. That's what was shocking. 
Because they spent a lot of that 30 minutes on the Shadow of Tomb Raider stuff they showed right mm-hmm. at the beginning. So well, I think that's kind of hitting on something that was a theme through the, all of E3. It was so much stuff was leaked. Like, there wasn't that much punch in these releases. But hasn't that, Don, don't you think that's been a problem in recent E3s in general? Or did yeah, you feel it was this worse year, this year? There was really, like, very little hype, especially Nintendo. Like, there was yeah. no hype for anything. I, I agree. Which we'll get to, I'm sure. But yeah, Shadow of the Tomb Raider is supposed to be like this huge boom. Here's all the information. And then it's like, yeah, we know. Yeah, that's true. You know, it, you, it's a good point. So yeah, I think that, I mean, expectations were so flattened that right. it's hard when it's not a surprise anymore to interpret right. how they're revealing something. If In reality, to us, it was already revealed. Right. Anyone else have any thoughts on Square Enix in general? Um, I have a quick correction. Yeah, fix it. Fix so, Tony's so mistakes. The- the, the Octopath character is named Primrose. They do have her class as dancer. Her path action is Allure. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Oh, okay, Allure. yeah. Yeah, I, I seem to remember from the original thing uh, last year where it was it was kind of like, here are your seduction powers. Right. And Primrose, that's, right. that's a little bit of Hunger Games call out there. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> it's probably. They want, you, they want all the Hunger Games fans to buy that game. And I won't fall for it. If you're a Hunger Games fan? No, but I've seen them all. They're fine. <laughs> uh, so let's go to Ubisoft and I, I'll walk us through this one alright so I turn on my Ubisoft stream I want you to imagine this it's dark out except it was bright out but it was dark out and I look and like they always have to do this was probably the most traditional press conference of all of these press conferences because they open with this weird musical number with a panda band leader and a marching band and dancers who were real dancers, not prostitute dancers. And of course, it all is really just a Just Dance 2019 promotion. So it was weird. Ubisoft loves to do that. Moving on. They actually went right into what I think is the big game that a lot of people wanted to talk about that wasn't covered on other stages, and that is Beyond Good and Evil 2. Mm-hmm. Who here has played Beyond Good and Evil? Uh, you have? I've played part of the tutorial. And Tony, have you? No. Okay, I've played all the way through it. Uh, I, I, I found it fun, but it was like a remaster on the 360, so I didn't play it when it oh. came out, and to me it wasn't anything special. I played it when it came out, and I don't imagine it would age very well. Uh, it was really tough, especially on console for me, because they did not allow me to invert the Y axis, which since I'm a professional gamer, I have to do that. And so I really struggled with the controls all the way through, but I, I was able to finish it. Uh, anyway, so cinematic trailer in this case shows a massive craft coming in and it eats up a little smaller craft full of pirates and so you get this sort of feel for the world to a degree through that trailer, I guess. Uh, it's clearly set up as a space opera. They indicated it will be an action RPG in terms of the game mechanics. Uh, they did give a basic plot summary, and they showed some pre-alpha gameplay as well. Then they also drug out from Third Rock from the Sun, because it's the only thing he's ever done, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and he talked about his company, hitrecord.org, and how they are doing some fan created art. They want, they want fans to make art and submit it through a process, which would then allow that art to be applied in the game world. And so his company is working in partnership with Ubisoft on this, that it's a collaborative process with the community. It's not like trying to get, Hey, I want submit a bunch of art and who wins to be the big billboard on this one planet sort of thing. After the press conference, he did clarify on social media 
people will be paid for this. It is not a, let's find a bunch of people and then say, you'll get exposure yeah. and not get paid. You will be paid money if your art is used. Okay. That was the question I had. It was not covered in the press conference. He realized that because people, artists get really sensitive about yeah. that stuff. About the Understandably. Said, oh, I should have said it. I apologize. You will get paid. Everyone's art who will be used will be compensated. And, it, and it's, if we want actual real art, please don't just send us pictures of penises. Yeah. Also, I think you're being overly harsh at the breakout star of G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra. That is true. <laughs> hey, his role in Looper was really good. He's a, I'll he's give him that. He's a good and prolific actor. He is third bar from the sun, little kid. That's all he is. We all know this. Uh, so I thought this looked neat. I can't say I'm sold on wanting to get. I'm not a game. I'm not a day one Beyond Good and Evil 2 person, but it's definitely on my radar after hearing about all of this. I wonder, just wonder what everyone else's thoughts were because we're not really going to touch on this game in any other part of E3. Right. No, it, I have some interest, but I like you. It's not going to be an immediate grab. It's for me, it's going to be, I'm going to see how it, the buzz it gets, basically. I thought it was pretty cool when Unicron showed up. Oh, you like the Unicron? Yeah. Yeah. Don? I feel, like, I feel like we've seen this kind of stuff for like five or six years from this game. Uh, yeah, it always looks good. It always looks interesting. I don't know if it's ever going to come out. I like the first one enough. I would definitely play a sequel. But you're so, smelling yeah. a little bit of the vapor here? Dude, it's like literally I've seen the same talking pig in three different degrees <laughs> for years. <laughs> so, does anyone know, is Michel Ansel still involved with it at all? Yeah. Because he did not yeah. come out to talk about it. I don't know. Okay. Last year he was, anyway. Yeah. So, it was it was odd that they didn't bring him out. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, after this was Rainbow Six Siege. It's already out. It's done gangbusters for Ubisoft. Uh, they gave some stats on player counts, some DLC release stuff, some new operators, and they outlined a bit about the esports side and showed part of a documentary, but... There's, I didn't think there was really much else to say here. That game is old. Uh, they did follow it with another upcoming game, Trials Rising. So, as I would initially describe it, guy comes out on motocross bike, then fell over on stage on purpose. That was the presentation. It was weird, just like Trials of the Blood Dragons presentation was weird a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the same guy. So, they showed some footage uh, and announced a closed beta. Uh, I have, and in fact, though Eric and Don don't know this, before we brought you guys in, Tony and I took care of our, what we've been playing, and to take a break from Prey, I took a weekend, and I won Trials of the Blood Dragon, so I've played that one, and I've played Trials HD before, I was not good enough to finish it. I was just sort of curious if any of you have played any Trials games, and if Trials Rising looks interesting to you, because in some ways this looks like a cross between wacky Trials and more traditional motocross stuff to me. It looks like a more typical Trials game, where Trials of the Blood Dragon seemed like they were trying to do something different, because I guess there's platforming sections? There is. There's some running out it is bad. The voice acting is terrible. No, I hear the platforming is bad. The platforming... It's not it's built hard. on the same engine. Okay. I mean, you could you could build those levels with platforming. You could sure. build first person shooter levels and trials uh, evolution. It just uses that same engine that was built on a motorcycle. Um, it's, I find, it's, it's right. almost bad on purpose, but it's not unplayable. Okay. Uh, the the segments where you're not on the bike are rudimentary. They're not challenging, yeah. but it's not incompetent or anything. Okay. It's You won't struggle with... It's not like you're going to struggle with the controls and not be able to finish it. If anything, if it was like me, it would be... I liked the parts that weren't on the bike because I know they'd be easy. Yeah, it's a little floaty, but yeah. that whole thing is so tongue-in-cheek. I loved uh, 
Trials of the Blood Dragon. I love all the, all that series. It's actually Trials Rising is the first thing I wrote down when I was thinking of my favorite things from E3 this year. Okay. So I'm it's a definitely, huge fan. I can't wait. Okay. Yeah, I'll be, cause I played a couple of them. This one is one of those where I'll keep my eye on it. Uh, it's not, it's not going to be, it's not one I'm super excited about, but the, the platforming of, on the bike stuff has been really good from the get go. So that's the sort of thing that you like to try and stick the landings and go and do these zany jumps and stuff. It does it really well. So and they put so many secrets in them. It's like a game within a game. And now that you can do whatever you want with the engine, it's going to be sweet. Uh, the last one had a weird tone to it, but the, well, I can't remember what the last one was called. Uh, Evolution was kind of the peak. The last one just had this weird, serious tone to it. Yeah, I think it was tri- Trials Fusion, Eric. Fusion, yeah, you got it. Thank you. Tony, any thoughts? No. No? Okay. It's not my style of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talked about the Division 2 after that, so we've, ar- we've already Very discussed talking. that one. They gave a little more details, like uh, eight players will be able to team up and participate in raids. The crowd seemed to like that because that's a new feature. The Division didn't have raiding. I remember raiding from World of Warcraft days. I don't need to relive it. <laughs> uh, and uh, three DLC packs, and uh, they'll all come out in the first year, and they will all be free. So it's sort of an emphasis on not trying to gouge. I noticed that on a number of games. Uh, from a number of studios at this E3. Next was Mario plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle, adding in the Donkey Kong Adventure, which this... See, they had a live band, but this made sense because they had the live band while the gameplay was yeah. being shown on a screen, so you weren't just sitting there listening to a band for no reason. Uh, and this DLC pack is out later this month. So uh, now I know, Tony, you have Mario Rabbids. Are you getting this? Yes. Eric, I know you have Mario Rabbids. Are you getting this? Probably after I finish the main game. See, that's that's the one thing. I want this, but I want to finish the main game first. Don, I do not know if you have Mario and Rabbids, or are you getting this? Same boat as those guys. I'd rather finish the main story first. Okay, I don't own this game, so I'm not getting it. It's a good game. It's a really good game. I don't own it. We're not talking about it. Scratch, <laughs> we're marking it out. Not talking about it. Dennis does not it's, have it, it. It's Mario XCOM. Yes. I like it a lot. Okay. Except, unlike XCOM, you get to move a lot. Right. I mean, just, just just as a quick float, this is the game I played the whole time when we were going to Texas and back to, from Texas. Mm-hmm. That Mar- Mario Rabbids, that's the game that I had where I was uh, hanging it up on the... Uh, I had a RAM mount so I could mount my Switch off the windshield so I could use my Pro Controller because my hands are too big for those little Joy-Cons. So I could play it while we were driving to and from Texas when I wasn't driving. Mm-hmm. Emphasis on the when I wasn't driving. I wasn't driving and playing Mario Rabbit. That is pretty much a straight shot. (laughs) Everyone knows that when you're driving, you play Mario Kart. Well, yeah. So, next game, Skull and Bones. Also known as Sea of Thieves, but for people who actually like to play games. (laughs) So There doesn't really appear to be any parts where you're not on the ship. Yes, that's true. So, in reality, it's in no way like Sea of Thieves. I was just just getting uh, another stick in on Rare. For not making a good game, yeah. Uh, cinematic I think the boat docking. Maybe I, I think saw some docks boarding, so, but it, that um, didn't seem to be interactive. Okay. Well, we saw the cinematic trailer to give us a sense of the world. Uh, so we know it's gonna. It's not going to take place in the Caribbean. It's going to take place in the Indian Ocean. It's after the the era is at some point after Caribbean piracy died off, but Indian Ocean piracy was still around. Apparently, uh, game will require you to take into consideration environmental factors and some other variables. Uh, so you're like selecting a ship you need, what type of crewmates you bring, and the gear to equip them with, and it all makes a difference depending on what targets you're going after. 
Then they had, they indicated it's another shared world game, so it's going to be that. And another video followed up, uh, explained the mechanics of how the game works a bit. And they showed some gameplay, like how you take out a vessel, how you form a group to team up to do a harder vessel, um, and that the ships have special abilities. So it's supposed to release sometime next year. I, as my jokes have, my bad jokes have indicated, I think from a piracy perspective, this looks more interesting to me than Sea of Thieves. Yeah. But this is not on my list because I'm not that into playing pirate games. I love naval games. I love pirate games. But I'm, this doesn't, it's a little too, I like my stuff to be real serious, kind of more real worldy, hardcore feel, I guess. Okay. Eric, so it just doesn't have it for me. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like it's trying to straddle a line between, you know, we're dark and gritty and realistic, and also the ships have special abilities. Right. So, like, you can charge up a meter and do a special attack. Right. So, it looks really cool. It also looks like, in in the same vein as The Division and Destiny and Sea of Thieves, it looks like one of those games that if you get the right group of people and have a regular time to play, it would be fantastic. But that is not my life. Okay. Don, what were your what were your takeaways on Skull and Bones? Yeah, what Eric said. Looks cool. Uh, <laughs> if I get into it, great. If I don't, there's a lot of other games. Okay. Uh, they followed Skull and Bones up with a weird game called Transference. Now, first, they brought up another washed-up actor, only known for his role in The Good Son, Elijah Wood. Uh, he came out and talked about a partnership between his group, Spectravision, and Ubisoft for this game. It's a first-person exploration game. It seems to take place within the brain of someone who's disturbed. It involves puzzle solving. It allows you to shift between different family members. Di- the, yeah, different family members to get, I guess, different perspectives to figure things out. The overall genre, not gameplay genre, but start, sort of thematic genre is that of a psychological thriller and the footage looked really surreal and creepy i like horror games i cannot tell though if i would like this it just looked really weird um but frodo really tried to sell it yeah this 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 seemed like it had some shades of maybe pt Mm. you know in walking down a creepy hall um this they did actually announce this last year okay uh but there was little more than here's a short video of elijah wood yeah. Uh, so that was the only reason I even remembered. Because on my notes, remembered how I said it's he that weird Elijah Wood game. He was, and it was no, Macaulay Culkin who was, in. he was creepy because he was hanging out with Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, but he was, he was, he was not the problem. <laughs> Tony, any thoughts on, on this? Uh, it doesn't look like anything that really interests okay. me. I mean, it's, I don't know, something about it just didn't really, maybe it's the puzzle solving part or something, but it just didn't, I don't know. Don, anything about uh, it? What I saw kind of reminded me of Tacoma or Gone Home. Mm. And if it's that, but a little more in depth and a little horror and I'm in the mood, then yeah, maybe. Okay. So no. Okay. Yep. Uh, if, it's, if it's two or three hours, yes. No. If it's 10 hours, no. Um, okay. Uh, the next thing up was the, hey, apparently we still think we can sell toys, though I guess you don't have to buy the toys to do any of this. It's Starlink Battle for Atlas. It's out this October, open world setting. You get to build toy spaceships and attach them to your controller. Uh, but you're only on a one if you own a Switch, because that's the only way you get in Star Fox. Correct. That was my summary. Right. That, so, that is the right answer. So it was a, this, get this game if you're a Star Fox fan. Do we agree on that? Yep. 
Okay, sure. Okay. I, me. I swear I've seen some other stuff on this game before E3. I know they I have. They announced it last year also. Did they? Yeah. yeah. And it's just the toy. I know they say you don't have to have them, but at the same time, it's, I just don't see a reason for it. Yeah. I appreciate that Ubisoft is making a Toys to Life game in 2018. Yes. Yeah, it's so timely. The, the, That's the Ubi way. That is very brave. <laughs> Not brave like I removed the headphone port. Like, literally <laughs> brave. Uh, the next game was uh, going back into the stable of already out stuff. For Honor, the PC version of the starter game, incidentally, is free until Monday via UbiPlay. So people listening, you have a couple of days where you can still actually get the, what's considered the starter game. Yeah. Uh, on PC version only. Um, then they announced For Honor Marching Fire. It's going to add the Chinese. So there'll be four new fighters coming in to represent Chinese combat. And there'll be a new 4v4 4v4 multiplayer mode known as Castle Siege. Well, it's called Breach, but it's a Castle Siege is what, what's going on. And that's going to come out in October. Uh, you know, I... Honestly, the only thing I remember about For Honor is Tony saying he was going to get it, and I don't think he ever did. I was going to get it when we saw the original stuff at the, at, was it last year's E3 or the E3 before? E3 before. When I saw the original stuff, yeah. When the game actually came out, my interest was all gone. Okay. This change your mind? No. Eric, this make you want to get this? It's another one of those games that with the right set of people would be totally a thing I could get into. So no. If I had time. No. So no. No. Don, are you playing this? No. No, no, nor nor for me. And it's too bad because I like the idea of the the Chinese combat. But uh, The Crew 2, open world beta, a couple of weeks from now. Uh, Game's going to come out a little bit after that. We talked about this from last E3. This is the racing game that has cars, planes, boats, and motorbikes. I'm still not personally interested in it, though it looks pretty good for that sort of game. Don, is this, I know you like Need for Speed. Do you like the, I don't know if you played the first crew or you're interested in the crew too. I played a little bit of the first crew and it had a, a good, there was a good nut there, but the surrounding packages didn't really work. Amazon made a price error when they posted this like six, seven months ago. So the gold version was the regular price. So I did pre-order it and I had not canceled it. So the hmm. $110 version was 60 bucks. Is that going to come with like a model? No, it doesn't. It's all DLC stuff. I think. Oh, okay. Ah, so. so it's another one of those games that you only get half the game if you, Right. If you don't buy the special version. But to be right. fair, they only release half the game at the beginning. Yeah. yeah you get the whole game at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> it looks uh, fun, and I've been really wanting to play another arcade racer. I, I've been literally having dreams about Horizon 4, so this might scratch mm, the edge until it That's true. Out. Good point. I don't often get a desire to play racing games, but this one could be interesting. But it's probably not going to happen. Okay. <laughs> Eric, any thoughts on it? I never played the original one. The The original demo for it looked really fun, but yeah, I've, I've got plenty of Forza Horizon games to play, so right. it's, not, it's not on my radar. And that's kind of my It'll thing probably too. show up in Game Pass at some point, and I can try it. Yes. Yep. Uh, final game Ubisoft talked about, the big one that everyone knew was coming, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Ancient Greece setting. Well, did you think they put out another Assassin's Creed game? Yes. Yes. Now... To be fair, because I know that's, and we can, we can talk about that. I, my understanding is they're using two different v- development teams now. So the teams are getting two years to work on the games. It's not 
But they're still, but they're going back to putting a game out every well, year. They, at least they have as of now because they put out an Assassin's Creed last year. Right. Uh, the only real changes that I saw were besides that you can pick between having a, a man or a woman as you as the protagonist this time, which is a first. Is nope. uh, Syndicate, you could do that. Yeah, Syndicate, you could do that. Oh, okay. Though I don't, I could you play in Syndicate the entire game as one or the other? I don't know. Can you yes, play as a prostitute? Not that I'm aware of. No. I played a lot of Syndicate, and I don't know if it made you be the brother or the sister at any points. Okay. Okay. All right, so that is not new, but they will. They brought that back, so you can choose male or female. And also, they are doing that whole impactful choice system thing, kind of like what we, we saw with... Um, Detroit? Well... I doubt it'll be that that deep. I was I was thinking more along the lines of uh, what's that game, the parkour Dying game. Light. Oh, Dying Light. Light. Yeah, yeah like that. Right. So they're talking. They emphasize sort of the impactful choice system, uh, but but in this game's case, uh, how much impact that's going to have wasn't really clear to me. But and it's out at the start of October. So I haven't played an Assassin's Creed, a main, a real Assassin's Creed. Because I've played like one of the Chronicles games. Mm. I've got another one waiting to go. Uh, but I haven't really played since the end of the Ezio storyline. So I'm not interested in... The, I love the Greek setting. I think it looks really nice and polished. I've just... I, I just lost my will for Assassin's Creed and it has never come back. But I wondered what other people's thoughts were about it. So Eric... Wasn't... Or Don, go oh, ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead and oh, start no. off. Wasn't Syndicate free on Games with Gold a couple months ago? Um, I may have it. If it was, yeah, I should have, have it. it. If if it, if it was, I I I would quote unquote buy it and have it ready to play. I just I played uh, the China Chronicles one when it was free. Uh, just uh, like half a month ago, the Russia one was free, and I've downloaded yeah. it, but I've not started it. There's a third one of those. As there well. is. India. I don't. I have it. And I India. Know I pay yeah. money for it. India. So I guess I've I done them all then. India. Yeah. Nearly every Assassin's Creed game has shown up in Games for Gold at some point. Okay. Well, I probably own them all, but, then, but I don't think Syndicate did, and I don't think Unity did. Uh, though I've heard, I I understand if there's one to skip, it's Unity. That's what I've heard too. Um, yeah, I skipped Unity too. <laughs> uh, Syndicate was actually really good, though. If it if it was free or whatever, check it out. It's worth a look. And uh, Black Buy, of course, was really good. Did you play uh, Origins, Don? I rented Origins from GameFly, and I wanted to like raid tombs and check out pyramids and there was not enough of that. I played like 10 hours and I don't think I saw any. I don't know that the map system just sucked, but I got frustrated that there wasn't any cool stuff. It was just the same old Assassin's Creed stalking around in a little city kind of hiding in hay barrels thing. I don't like that part. So I sent it back. Okay. I wanted to like it. Anyway, the Greek thing is fine. Uh, I'll wait. I'll wait till it's free on gold or whatever. Now, have any of the previous games ever had dialogue trees? Uh, None that I played had them. Okay, because most of the coverage I've seen of this after the uh, announcement dealt with the idea that it is a more RPG-style game. (laughs) Yes, and they've been emphasizing that they upped the RPG elements even more than Origins had. That's the route they're moving. Yeah, they're moving from action-adventure to the more action-RPG-style. Or when I saw the it on the stage at Ubisoft, I thought, oh, it's Mass Effect Assassin's Creed now. Which honestly makes it more interesting. To this me. is my favorite assassin yeah, on the Acropolis. Cool. I'm Commander Assassin. <laughs> Commander Assassin. <laughs> Fem Commander Assassin. Yeah. Did you catch that the characters you play, you are playing are the grandchildren of 
King Leonidas. Yes. No, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there was a good amount of kicking people in. Yeah, I noticed that one of your superpowers is well kick. <laughs> yes. Which I approve of. That's the, yeah, the powers were what I thought made it look good, but I just don't know if I'd enjoy playing it all the way through, so. I haven't touched an Assassin's Creed since, like, the first one. And I didn't oh, finish it. Blows, right? Yeah, first one sucks, so, so I can understand that, making you not want to play any of them. Yeah. It's just a tech demo, that's all it is. It's like the Force Unleashed first one, just a tech demo. I, like I knew you'd like one of these things, Don. <laughs> I just have to. I just have to poke enough of these bears. I'll find the one. Also, that I think near the very end we saw kind of a um, silhouette of a minotaur. Oh, I hope so. That'd be and, rad if they have like uh, legendary stuff. Oh, mythology. Yeah. So I'm wondering, are we going to see a skeleton army at some point? Because that seems like they should totally do that. Mm. That or it's just a huge dude. You have with to, a you have to help help, help Jason on. get the golden fleece. And, yeah, yeah. It, it seems like you could throw some mythology in there. Yeah. Because yeah, if you could be friends with Ben Franklin and right George Washington <laughs> and whatnot, why not? Well, they showed um, Socrates or yeah, Socrates. Okay, well, cool. I used to read a lot of Greek mythology, so I love the setting, but it still doesn't. It's yeah. not enough because I don't know that that'll be in there. I don't get to help Perseus. I don't care. Um, <laughs> Play God of War. Get a PS4. <laughs> Does anyone have anything else about the Ubisoft presentation that we haven't touched on? I miss Aisha Tyler. I do too. Yes. Why is she not doing it anymore? Aisha, Aisha Tyler. Tyler. She used to be the MC oh. for the Ubisoft show, and then they took her away last year, and she's still not back. She's a really busy person. I don't care. But this is E3. I know. And I have needs. It was one of the reasons I always liked the Ubisoft. She's just she just she feels really natural. Yeah. Like she really actually cares about all these games. So even though she probably doesn't play any of them. Yeah. But she fakes it so well I can't right. tell. And that's all I need. You don't have to be a gamer, you just have to pretend to be one. Right. And convince me. You can't be like that uh big bang theory where they don't plug in the controllers and they just click things. Who plugs in controllers? But I mean, I slide the Joy-Con. You know, the side we, of my quit trying to quit getting. All right, we're moving on. Tony, lead us through the PC gaming show. Okay, you're the PC master race. I, 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 I am. I'm putting this out right now. I'm not touching everything in the PC show because it was like an hour and a half long, and they moved fast and they covered a lot. Okay, I'm only going to hit the highlights. So. If you watched it and I skipped something you wanted to talk about, interrupt me. That's fine. And realize that 99% of the time, if it's pixel art, I'm not talking about it. Because I don't do the big pixel art thing. Are you going to cover every roguelite on Steam? No. No. I'm going to take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, this, I put the, one, the first thing I did notice right off the bat was uh, this was uh, the PC Gaming Show was hosted by Day9. And he had this enormous stack of cards, uh, of note cards. I mean, it was like three inches thick of note cards to that he went through just standing on stage. No teleprompters, no readers, no pull a card out. Now, he just had an enormous stack of cards. And every time he came back on camera, it was a little bit smaller. I just wish they'd shown him just flicking him into the crowd. That's just a me thing. But... um the very first game, which is the very first one they talked about, is the first one I'm going to talk about. It was called uh, uh, Satisfactory. Now, I like Factorio. I'm not very good at Factorio. Factorio is a, a whole building slash management game and resource collection. It's all top-down. 
Satisfactory is the exact same thing, except for it's first person, which I think will make it even harder. Yes. Which, yeah, I mean, Factorio is already really hard, and... I mean, it's enjoyable, but it's a game that I can't... Some people can bury themselves in that game for extended periods of time. I cannot, because it's just a little too much for me. But it's definitely... It could be interesting. I have hopes for it. We'll just have to see what comes as it actually hits the real world. Because it's one of those things that's in alpha, like early alpha, from the way they talked about it. I don't know if anybody else had any thoughts on Satisfactory. No, not on it, no. All right, I'm skipping the next several games because one of them is a Battle Royale, and I didn't like the art of one of them, and the other one's a mod being reimagined, so I don't care. Uh, Star Control Origins. Now, the Star Control games were pretty good, but it's an open-universe action RPG. What's interesting about it is they are trying to do, in their own special way, uh, the infinite universe thing that crashed and burned so hard with the game that should not be named. We'll see how it works. The, the, the gameplay they showed looked really interesting. Uh, but it's pretty much your standard sci-fi RPG game. I mean, it's not super tight. It didn't look super tight, super buried into it type thing. And you're showing clips of ships going around the, uh, a planet. Just like zooming around a planet, getting resources or exploring. I don't know. It looks interesting. I'm not going to put it on my immediate list, but it's on my watch list. So skipping several more games because it's all Warframe patches and uh, other open world type games that are just, they don't look like anything special. They look like just the type of stuff we've seen before. Uh, Sega is, um, did make the announcement that a lot of their old games are going to be coming to PC. They're putting PC ports of like Shinmu and a whole bunch of other games. I know one, uh, that Don likes quite a bit. Yakuza Zero is in that list. Yeah. Great game. Heard good things about it. I've never played a Yakuza game. Start like with Shinmu, but better. Start with Zero. Yep. Let's see. There's another add-on coming for Killing Floor 2. I don't know if anybody's ever played the Killing Floor game. I haven't played no. 2. I played a touch of 1. I had no real interest in it. Now, the game that had actual inter- interest for me, um, Maneater. You play a shark. You swim around the beach and you eat people. You jump over piers and eat people. That's it's an RPG where you level yourself up as a shark and you eat people and stuff. Now, should I not be the ranger shark because that's too serious of a character? Probably. You need to be the prostitute shark. Okay. Dancing shark. <laughs> the nurse shark. Nurse Hello, shark. <laughs> nurse. So, <laughs> uh, And they also uh, Jurassic World Evolution, where you're building your own Jurassic Park because nothing can go wrong with that. Um, it is very much a, it gave me the vibe of like Zoo Tycoon. Oh yeah. Uh, that type of, that type of feel and building game. Yeah, I'm interested. I watched, um, Scott Manley, uh, played it, did a stream where he streamed it. Uh, he is a typically a, uh, Kerbal Space Program streamer and does, uh, science-based stuff I watch a lot of. So I actually watched a fair amount of gameplay of it, and it looks pretty interesting. Um, but it seems very formulaic Zoo Tycoon type game. 
So we'll see. My wife's not interested. I thought, hey, you like Zoo Tycoon. Maybe you'll like it. No. No, not interested. And then uh, there is a VR game coming out, Stormland. Stormland is by uh, Insomniac. And it looks interesting, but I don't know how it's going to fare as a VR game. I haven't played any VR games yet, so I don't know how they fare overall. But something about it feels, I don't want to say, I, I, I don't know how the movement's going to work, how well the movement's going to work. Right. Well, I, yeah, I noted this one because it's an open world setting and that was right. where I got, a, I mean, I like the idea of it. You're a damaged robot piecing yourself back together. And like launching a robot overthrow of other evil robots. Well, sure. But that, that was a gift. That's expected. Yeah. But. Uh, no, I don't, because I haven't played any VR. But actually, the other thing that caught my eye is that Insomniac is doing this game. Right, so, that's what I thought. So big, pre- big pedigree. So they've got some hope. I know because I know when they were showing the thing that it involved a lot of uh, climbing, so you could you actually use because it's had lots of hand controls and this and that. Which being VR, obviously, is going to have stuff like that. I don't know. It's got some hope. Uh, I just don't know. VR has not taken off, I think, like people hoped it would, because I don't think we're there yet. I I think I we're in the alpha stage I know some of people the technology, it, but I think there's a there's a very telling reason why, even though the Xbox One X could power an Oculus or whatever they'd want to tie into, that they haven't bothered to push the VR anymore. Uh, and everyone was thinking that that console launch was to compete against Sony. I did, and, and I, it is to compete against Sony, but but. They apparently have felt that there's no point in going for the VR thing yet. Uh, I know some of the rumors swirling around is they are waiting for the next generation of VR where the equipment can be wireless. Makes sense. That's currently the big problem that people are having with it. And so that may be, but there's also perhaps no real killer app on the VR side. Beat Saber. Except Beat Saber. That looked interesting. Beat Saber is awesome. You just like I haven't time. played it, but I've no, watched I, tons I, of video saw, of Beat Saber. I saw a, a video of it Don, do you do VR? Nope. Okay. See, to me, the opportunity cost is still too high. Right. Yes, I agree. And my notes here just says Star Citizen, and then it's just me repeat, repeatedly laughing. Okay. Because it still exists and it's still coming, they swear. They swear. They, they, they just did another big sale where if you've spent at least a thousand dollars, you can go buy a special twenty-seven thousand dollar pack. Yep, I don't. Now maybe Amazon listed that at a low price, and Don might be locked in. <laughs> yeah, no, I. I favor. <laughs> <laughs> he did take a nap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, Star Citizen is one of those things. Well, the gameplay videos look beautiful. The latest. uh version they put out of their alpha has been getting horrible stuff and people are up in arms about it. I'll believe Star Citizen happens when it happens, but I think they made a ton of money without actually doing it. Without No matter what, they made a ton of money. Okay. More Just Cause 4. Uh, there was a, there's a new Don't Starve game coming out called Don't Starve Hamlet. Uh, the big games that are coming, though, are the next big games on my list is The Walking Dead. Not Telltale's The Walking Dead, though that was announced also. The first thing they announced, it is a co-op, first-person shooter Walking Dead game set in Washington, D.C. It's being done by Overkill, and it launches on the on November 2nd, and it doesn't look terrible. 
My concern, though, is will it actually be any good? Because Walking Dead games have been very hit and miss. They might. I don't know. This was on the PC gaming show. I don't know if there's going to be a. a, Some of the games announced I know are console games. I did not check to see if this one. I don't know. I didn't check. I've seen some of the rest of that, but I don't. I don't know what. I mean, it looks good. Uh, It's just, I mean, Walking Dead games have been almost as hit and miss as Walking Dead the TV show. So. What uh, what was the developer on it? It's Overkill. Hopefully, this is one where they spent three or four years working on it. So I would hope I so. Know. They need it's a great IP. They okay, need a really good uh, game. I this did one a, looks solid. I did a quick search, and it is saying uh, PS4 and Xbox One, as well as cool. Windows based systems. So yes, yeah. console. I'll report back. Then. So that'll be good. Hopeful. And Telltale announced that they are doing the final season of Telltale's Walking Dead. Yeah. That's, it's been known that they were yeah. doing it as a trilogy. So, and the new uh, isn't this season this four? is fourth. Yeah, this is well, the Michonne four. is a side story. No, thing, no, no. So. They did season three, yeah. a new world, or something along those lines. I, I thought they yeah. did. Yeah. Oh, I, okay. I just haven't. I've played, played two seasons, I've only and there's a two. season I haven't played yet, and this is beyond oh, my yeah. Yeah. So okay. I believe this wow. is season four. Yeah. Oh. So you got some catching up to do. Yeah, I've only played the two with Clementine. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they have put a new engine in like they need to, but they've made modifications to the engine. Um, it does have unscripted combat now. They are adding unscripted combat to it, so it's not just quick time events. And they have given it... Um, they have put together a new camera control system, so you can actually control the camera, and you can look around and move around that way. Which are two things the Telltale games have never had, and they've needed forever. Because I like I like the stories in Telltale games, but really quick time events just yeah. But I'm not sure unscripted comments the right answer either. It yeah, now I why I play those games. While it's unscripted, it, it's they've got unscripted combat from the looks of it. It's not like a battle system. It's not like a hack and slash or something like that. It looked a lot like uh, the the systems that they used to have, but it wasn't just. Spam X as hard as you can. It looks like you could do different things with still a similar system. As I said, it looks like the same old engine. I could be wrong, but it looked like the same old engine. I think they changed the engine with uh, Batman, didn't they? Uh, I thought they had as well, but when I when I played it, it still felt broken. So if they did, I don't think they've got it. I mean, like with weird lag and stuff, and the vo- and sometimes the vo- sound and the mouths not matching up. So I maybe that's thought- a feature. Yeah, uh, but but now Batman overall, I thought felt pretty polished. But I had other. Um, I'm trying to think. Maybe I've not. Maybe that's the only one on the newer setup I've played. Because uh, the yeah, Guardians that, of the Galaxy. Is so I haven't tried that one yet. I I tried Guardians that. of the Galaxy has many of the same problems. Okay. That well, previous games. Have had well, it's an interesting take. As long as they don't, don't. I like this being a point and click adventure. I get the idea of the combat and the and the quick time events were always there to sort of put a little more excitement and a little more game in it. But it's so as long as it stays primarily a point and click adventure, I'm interested. Right. But if they I mean, I like the it, first. I, I, like I, I I've liked the chapters of The Walking Dead I've played. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've they've been fun. Yeah. Well, maybe fun's a strong word, but they've been they've been good because some of the stuff that happens is not fun, not at all. But they've been good. I've enjoyed them. And I know I made a joke about pixel art, but there, they, there's one pixel art game that looked weird. It's called a, a Noita, 
And what's interesting about it is it's pixel art, but the pixels are actually rendered in the game engine and are affectable. Like everything is destructible. It, it's not, it's not actually art. Every, every pixel that you see is an actual rendered object in the game. Oh, okay. So more like, almost like particles. Right. Okay. Right. So, I mean, and in it, you're a wizard and you blow stuff up. I mean, it looked okay. I, I don't really like the pixel looks of games. I don't like it. And the fact that you, he was literally just, okay, I'm just blowing my way through this giant wall. That was kind of cool, but I'm not really too interested in it. There's a new jokey, like sim hospital type game coming out. It's not called sim hospital. It's called two point hospital, but it's basically sim hospital with lots of jokey play stuff, which is more like theme hospital. If you ever played theme hospital, uh, same theme, I think, right? Yeah, it's the same team. I think it's the same team. Yeah. Um, the big thing there was they had all sorts of mic problems when they came out and started talking. So there's another Battle Royale game, except for it's fantasy-based. And I think it's out now, Realm Royale. If it's not out, there's like been some beta play out that's got some Twitch play that I've seen. But again, it's a Battle Royale game, and I, I don't have any interest. Um, the new Double Fine game, Ooblets. It's, that looks interesting. Yeah, it's like a Pokemon Animal Crossing hybrid farm breeding thing. I don't really know for sure. I mean, it looked okay. It's not my style of game. As I say, as I yeah, I play a ton of Stardew Valley, but for this didn't really trip the kind of trip. Double Fine does me. some pretty weird stuff, but I can't think of anything that they did that I didn't end up actually enjoying. So it's we'll see. Yeah. I don't know if I'll get it though. I've never, also, I don't think I've ever bought a double fine game that wasn't on sale. Right. NO1800. It is a sandbox city building game. It's, um, it's set in the 1800s, obviously. It's what it's called 1800. And it's a mix is like city building, like you would see in like SimCity or, or games like that with some, the kind of economy stuff you would see from, uh, some variants of like Civ and stuff like that. And heavy naval combat. So for me, this ticks like every box I have. So I'm going to at least take a look at it when it comes out. The only thing I know about the Anno games is that the number always adds up to nine. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, because I was listening to a podcast the other day where they were, talk they were talking about that, that game being announced. Yeah. And they're like, I am waiting for the Anno 2007 game. <laughs> and they actually had a, a, a real reason for it, but I just I had I've seen those games before, but I didn't realize they all were that up to nine. Interesting. Yeah, no, I said I've never played an Anno game, but this one because of the way it takes the boxes and it's an era. It's that the the eighteen hundreds industrial revolution naval stuff is right up my alley of insanity. So I'll probably give that one a try. And uh, then there was a battle royale game that I actually might do. Uh, Rapture Rejects. And the reason is because it's mm. by the Cyanide Happiness guys. Yeah. yeah Even if you don't play fun. the game, the trailer's amazing. Trailer's you should watch fun. the trailer because it's hilarious. But we'll see. It, it's a Battle Royale game that I would probably be willing to try. But everything the Cyanide Happiness guys do, even the really bad stuff, is still fun. So we'll see how it turns out. And uh, that was it. Oh, no. That no, wasn't it. It was not it. 
there was the main announcement of the PC game show. Mm -hmm. What was probably the biggest thing. Yes. Spider-Man. No, it's Hitman 2. Yes. Hitman, finally. Oh, yes. Yes. I'm very very pleased. And yes, this will be, uh, PS4 and Xbox One, of course. Right. As the, as the first one was. Now fully under the control of IO Interactive. Good. Um, Hitman was a great game. It was. Like, like the, the, like the latest Hitman. All the Hitmans have been great games. The latest Hitman was another great game. But what I like about this one is it has co-op stuff. Yep. And I've always thought that would be what would make hit the Hitman games bloody near perfect is having co-ops. In fact, that mode, Sniper Assassin, it's already out. Yeah. The main game isn't out until November 13th, but Sniper Assassin's available now. Okay. And uh, they're not going to do it episodic this time. Hmm. Hmm. The, but when Square when Square Enix had them, they you might yeah no I, I I I was aware and I right. I had heard that that was one of the things that really worked well because it, rather than having this giant amount of content to go through, it was more okay. I'm going to spend time in Sapienza and I'm going to do that one over and over and over again, and then I'm going to be done with that, and then later they're going to release the next level, and then I'm going to do that same thing again. Rather than, okay, I start at the beginning and I fall off of it and never get back to it. Right. I I think the idea behind it made a lot of sense. And some people really enjoyed the episodic side of it. However, it being episodic also caused some complications for them. For example, I know some of them in the games industry didn't consider that. And altogether, it would have been a game of the year worthy game, but not... When not it was told out to them in spoonfuls mm-hmm. that there wasn't enough content. When it, when you just first get episode one, you're like, why did I buy a full game yet? I don't feel like there's enough newness to it. It had that whole sandbox thing, but you had to, it just depended if you wanted to do that or go through the story. And so they've decided this time they're going to let you have the, there'll be the whole story mode thing to advance that plot. And they're not going to make you wait to experience it. And that's something that Telltale struggled with too. There are people who get really mad. Or, or do like what I do. I don't buy Telltale until the whole episode set of the series is out. Yep, that's what I do. I don't want to have to wait two months to, to try and remember the next part of the... And that's what I did with Hitman also. Right. I waited until right. it was done. And so, anyway, so they're not doing that. And I know Warner Brothers is who will be doing the publishing. Okay. I'm so, surprised. Giant Bomb gave Hitman Game of the Year. Uh, 2016, 2016 yeah. or something. They played the heck out of that I think game. 16. Yeah, it would have been 16. But I, they are but keeping. I feel like the episodic thing really put her on the map. Yeah, they're just not. Um, I, it's weird. I think IO is responding to a lot of, of fan complaints and that it got enough attention now that probably, they probably feel they don't need Uh-oh. a gimmick like episodic to sell it. They're going to have the same sandbox stuff in it. All the all the core features will be the same. Yeah. So but keeping the elusive targets and the, all the special what's the stuff. Adv- I mean, the- if you want to focus now, you get because all you get there's no there's no downside to doing it this way because well, if you want to just focus on Italy for a month, you can do that still. No one's going to do that though. I know, Don, well, because it's dumb. <laughs> so why force them? to have to enjoy the content for a month. If they're like me, they're going to play it for three days. And then I tried to remember when there was a new episode that came out and I would, cause I had it about halfway through and well, I would download it, the new Make episode. it an event. First week of the month, new one comes out. Well, <laughs> and, and the old one. Five years, they finally got onto a system where, okay, every six weeks a new episode came out, but people aren't complaining. Yeah. Whatever. I think beforehand they just kept falling behind was Telltale's problem. I don't think they, I think they always originally intended to try and put one out a month, but they just couldn't do it. 
Yeah, now they can. Well, did anyone have any other things from the PC gaming show that they wanted to talk about? That is the one that I did not watch. You didn't miss much. Don? Unless you're a huge Day 9 fan. Oh, yeah, I got a bunch of stuff I want to talk about for a PC gaming show. Mm-hmm. You, you seriously don't know who Day 9 is? I don't know who Day 9 no. is. He's a local boy. He's from Leewood. Ah. Well, with that said, Don, you, na- you can now take over. So other people can come talk since I'm the only guy who plays PC games. <laughs> and And Sony... I think I think you have a Sony, Don, so you might be able to talk about it. Lots of people play PC games. I'm in in this so, group. Yeah, just not in this group. Yeah. PlayStation, though, I'll, I'll be the only one talking to you. I think that, right? Well, I, then, I, I will say I that... Watch the, I always watch the Sony presentation. Yeah, me too. I and, watch it. and the PlayStation 4 is my shortlisted major console. It's the if I hadn't ended up getting the Switch when I got the Switch, I probably would have had a PlayStation Four by now. But I went with the cool. Switch instead. Well, it's a good one to get, and I'll tell you why. Some of the reasons include uh, first gameplay of Last of Us Part Two. Mm-hmm. Still no release date, but first one was fantastic. Second one, they kind of did this I don't know romantic, chill kind of cinematic. That was a not, the cinematic was good, and with, I liked the way they cut to the gameplay. Yeah, super brutal. The gameplay was way brutal. Yeah. But I'm sure it'll be good. Uh, it's cool that Ellie's still around. And we'll see when it comes out. First one was fantastic, so we'll see. Uh, they announced Game of War, or Game of War. God of War is getting a new Game Plus mode. There is a lot of meat in that game. I'm surprised they're adding a new Game Plus, but uh, they didn't announce when it's coming or what it will entail. So look forward to that. I actually just finished that game about a week ago. And there's a lot of in-game there, so it's, I guess it's cool if you want to do the in-game twice. Uh, this was actually really cool, is they announced that Black Ops 3 would be free for PS Plus members, and then bam, it was free the same time they announced it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I watched that game price-wise for a long time, and it was just stuck at 40 bucks for like years. So I actually bought it this past Black Friday, when it finally dipped down to $19. And now it's free. And now it's free, and I still haven't opened the one I bought for <laughs> There you go. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima showed some gameplay. That's from Sucker Punch, the team that does Infamous and Sly Cooper. That game looked awesome. It does look awesome, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's no date for that, so maybe holiday next year or something? Yeah, I, I was really impressed by it. Because when it, it opened with the flute and everything, I was like, okay. I'm going to go even further out. I think this is launch title of PS5. Really? Yeah, yeah. So. Sony has no qualms about giving you a game four or five years in advance. That's true. And that looked so sharp. It was clearly being rendered on a PC. Uh, so I'm thinking it's going to be a showcase to show the graphical fidelity on the new system. But just a guess. Because that was pre-alpha footage. Uh, you could see Second it. Second Son was pretty early in the PS4's run. So that's what I'm thinking. But uh, I will I will go ahead and just say, at this point, it was the most impressive game to me of the Sony show. I agree. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree yeah. at all. Yeah, so that'll be good. Uh, and they haven't released a game in a long time. I'm surprised they haven't done another Sly Cooper. That'll mm-hmm. be If they wait until PS5, that will be a really long break for them. They got, they're going to get it right, though. You know they're going to get it right. Yeah. Uh, Resident Evil 2 remake. Everybody is creaming over this thing. No, uh, not me. I never do over remakes, even though this one clearly had more work put into it than the typical, oh, let's just like bump up the assets and right. <laughs> smooth out those sharp polygons. It's got some Capcom face issues. 
Yeah, Capcom. Capcom <laughs> and their ugly face, ugly, <laughs> ugly stick hit everyone in the face. Uh, uh, I'm kind of with you. Remakes do not get me excited, except like Ratchet and Clank when they kind of rework the whole game to make it a better experience. And I think that's what they're doing with this. They're using they armor from Resident Evil Seven. They're changing some of, some of the like jump scare beats. They're adding in stuff that fans have been asking for for the series, for that particular game for a long time. So this might be one to watch. It might be not, it might not feel dated like a lot of the remakes do. Uh, this one might just feel like boom, Resident Evil 7 side project part two or something. I don't know. Uh, Remedy announced Control, which is another one I wrote down as being one of my favorites of the show. It's coming next year. It looks a lot like PsyOps to me. Did you guys ever play that? On the no. PS2? No. What was Remedy's last game called? That was that Quantum. They did Quantum, Quantum Break. Break yeah. uh, it looked a lot like Quantum Break to me. Yeah, Quantum Break kind of had that uh, Tomb Raider problem where I was just like a college kid running around shooting everybody, and I did, took me out of what I was supposed to be doing, just murdering people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. This one... Because of the PsyOps angle, it, it could be really good. Uh, PsyOps actually to appeal to the pinball people is, uh, I know Greg Ferris worked on that. I think George Gomez did. It was a midway game on PS2. But yeah, you had the psychic powers and it was super fun. Uh, hopefully they don't go too serious with this, but it does look pretty serious right now. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 announced Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't really care, but yeah. it's cool. They kind of milked it throughout the whole. D3. Yeah. I thought it was telling notes. that that seems to be Pirates of the Caribbean 3 that they are referencing in that, not any of the further adventures. The further adventures of Pirates of the Caribbean. Maybe this is the, this is the secret. This is why there's a Pirates of the Caribbean pinball machine. This is what will bring Pirates of the Caribbean to the modern era. No. no. Uh, I don't know. Have you guys <gasps> played the pinball machine? Though? Yeah. Is that a topic for a different day? Yeah. Which one? The new one. Yeah. yeah. Back when it had the triple disc. Yeah, it, it I was good. The triple disc, I played it this past week, and a lot of the characters I didn't know because they're from the last two movies, but man, it made me want to watch them. It sucked me in. So you're right. Maybe Kingdom Hearts 3 will revitalize the Pirates franchise. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the whole plan, I'm sure. Right. Uh, Death Stranding, the new Kojima game. I don't, I don't know. hear I enough excitement. Cool. The gameplay looked kind of cool. Just wandering around delivering packages. It looked like Prometheus or something. Yeah, it. it was like Super UPS Man. I liked when he had all the bat packages on his back and he was trying to cross the little rickety thing. And I'm just sitting here going, you know, I think this is every RPG character I've ever played. They're just actually showing all the crap that I'm carrying. Yeah, totally. That's a great idea, though, right? Kind yeah, like a but... Progress in I... Space. Right. I don't know. I still I, I don't understand. I mean, other than the the graphics look incredible, I still don't know what's going on. And and the gameplay aspect that they showed made me think this is what this is trade wars. What is this? I'm just gonna go buy low and sell high. I'm what, not. What a miss if that's the case. Surely that's not that. There are these mean alien things, or are they mean? And what's with the fetus? I don't know. I just think this was announced way too early, but because of who's behind it, it will be given a pass forever and ever. It'll, it's almost guaranteed to win the game of the year, the year it comes out. What year do you think it's coming out, Tony? Oh, I, I would not expect it before next generation. That's right. I said, I'm going to say 2020. 
I'm going to say 2020. This is the 33 we've seen it at. Uh, is it third or second? It's the third. I feel like it's come a long way since last year. I think it's the third. Yeah, I I don't. Know. I, I get just, confused because they also show it at the game awards, and right. I watch those. Yeah, yeah. That's true. I'm just. I've never drinking the 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 Kojima Kool Aid, so I I don't have the like deep super. He's the perfect god of a creator thing that a lot of people seem to have. So for me, it's just like okay, this looks like it could be weird and interesting, but I just don't. I really can't bring up anything to care. And the more stuff I see, and the more rabid the fans get, the less I care. Yeah. The fanboyism yeah. about it is a turn off. That's probably actually my biggest negative on it. I just, it's just, I just, still, I still can't tell what's going on. Right. So I guess I'm not playing from a first person perspective. That's about all I know at this point. And that's fine. It looks good. I mean, graphically, it looks good. If yeah. I'm carrying a bunch of boxes, that could be fun. I just don't know how that integrates with anything. Right. What, what what is the game about? Right. Yeah. No. That's a, yeah. that is a core problem. And there seem to be a lot of games this year at E three that after the trailer and they talked and they went on the whole thing was but what that what's that game actually about? Or how do I play it? Right. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat. I appreciate what he is, but I never drink Kool Aid either. And people will love it, and that's fine. I don't think it'll be for me, but it does look cool right now. Yeah. And it has Lindsay Wagner in it. It does. And they haven't emphasized shared world, so I give them points for that. Yeah. No, this this appears to be a deeply single-player experience. That's even better. Well, that's Sony's Speaking exclusive of, bread and uh, butter. No, that's all. I was just mentioning, that's what Sony, Sony's exclusives really seem to focus on, single-player experiences. And that's okay. Speaking of uh, focused single-player experiences, Spider-Man got a new gameplay video. Introduced, twink, twink. Uh, the rest of the Sinister Six, basically. Uh, it's going to be... I think it's going to be a fantastic game. Insomniac doesn't do wrong. It looks good. Like, yeah, it looks really good. good. It looks good. It's fun. The The web slinging actually looked like it would be solid compared to some of the other Spider-Man games I've seen in the past. Sunset Overdrive refined. Yeah. It's, I don't think there's any way this is going to be a dud. This is going to be no, a no. They've been game. they were even happy to show some gameplay last E3. So I think they're really comfortable with how the game's executing in their engine. And it comes out in like two months or something. Mm-hmm. It's August, I think. Yeah, yeah. I uh, think it looks cool. That's about it for Sony. There's a couple other things like Neo Two, but nothing that really piqued my interest. Yeah, you hit on all the games that I I would have mentioned from the from the presser. Uh, Eric or Tony, do you have anything to add on Sony? No. Yeah, on Spider-Man, I am not feeling the character designs for the villains. You don't like Electro? They feel a little too rock-steady Batman villains mm. for me. Okay. I could see that. I can see that, yeah. Sure. I'd rather they have plastic character designs. I'm not. I, Spider-Man I'm not looks fine, it, but... but the villains are like, I mean... Rhino looked fine, except then they're like, they. it felt like they had to raise the edge factor a little bit. But yeah, Electro, I don't I don't get him at all. It's better than Jamie Foxx Electro, but not <laughs> by a lot. We have one last major presser to, to go through that Eric will walk us through, and that will be the Nintendo one. And we'll see if he does more than just the, which listeners cannot obviously see because we are audio, the comic that Don shared with us, which I think properly conveyed all of E3. 
at least in terms of Nintendo's strategy for it. Yeah. But Eric, go ahead and take it away. Okay. So for Nintendo, uh, they announced a good amount of things. They did not spend very much time on most of them. So they let off with a game called Demon X Machina, uh, which looked very virtual on to me. If anyone remembers those yeah. games, yep. I only remember them from like the arcade. But do you uh, do you think that it's pronounced Demon or Dew? Dew. That's a throwback. Oh, That's a throwback joke to my 2016 E3, where I said Dew X Machina the whole time instead oh, okay. of Deus. Yes. Yes. Uh, old school, all three old school <laughs> listeners will appreciate that. Yeah, 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 no, I gotcha. Yeah, uh, no, I, I think that is pronounced demon as opposed to what in my mind it reads as daemon. Oh yeah, I always think that too. But, you know, I, I think it's demon, which then begs the question of why there's an A there. Uh, so yeah, that looks, if you like mechs, that looks like a game that people who like mechs would like. <laughs> um, I, I, there, there wasn't enough for me to form any sort of an opinion. Yeah. Uh, then we, they showed off a, I believe it's a expansion to Xenoblade Chronicles 2. It's called Torna the Golden Country. Um, I don't know anything about Xenoblade Chronicles or Xenoblade Chronicles 2, for that matter, but it looked to me like the art style might have changed, but that could be just me being unaware of what Xenoblade Chronicles looks like. It looks very much anime JRPG. Yep, that's uh, what it is. Then they spent a little bit of time talking about Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, which look like pretty solid Pokemon games, but not a core Pokemon game, if you will. Right. Yeah. So, among other things, you can transfer Pokemon from Pokemon Go. Notably, not to Pokemon Go. Uh, they also talked about the Pokeball Plus accessory, which is kind of like a uh, Pokemon Go Plus accessory, but it is more Pokeball shaped, and you can use it with this game. Uh, apparently, you can use it like a Joy-Con, and it includes Mew. A prisoner comes with it? Yes. Wow. A very, very special prisoner. Uh, then they shut off uh, Super Mario Party, which looks pretty cool. Uh, if I'm being honest. Uh, so it's using... So a, a while ago there was a patent that got uh, spread around that Nintendo had filed about lining up two screens by orienting them and then swiping across both screens so that both of them know where they are relative to each other. And they showed that off a little bit with one of the uh, game modes in the video where there it's, you know, because it's Nintendo, it's... Uh, Millennials at some fancy place, and someone walks up and like, hey, can I play? And then they rearrange the switches a few different ways, and it's like an overhead level of, I think, like a tank game or something. And then you see someone swipe across both of them, and it draws a line, and that goes back to, like I said, that patent that um, they have worked out a way to do that, and apparently think it's special enough. Uh, so that looked cool, and then there was another uh, mode using two switches where it was very much like the classic um, board game Battleship, where each person, or each, it was a 2v2, so each team had a screen facing them, but the other people couldn't see that screen, uh, which that seemed kind of cool. Um, 
Hopefully those are the exceptions rather than the rules for that game. I don't think it is terribly difficult to find another Switch to play, but I also don't assume that most people would want to buy another Switch just to play Super Mario Party. Uh, otherwise, it, there was some footage that looked very uh, typical Mario Party-style games. Um, you know, mini-games, moving around a board. Uh, it looks like they dropped the thing they were doing in Mario Party 10 where everyone was always together. So that could be better or worse, I'm not really sure. Uh, but that's coming out in October. Then they showed off Fire Emblem Three Houses, uh, which looks to be a very typical core Fire Emblem game. Uh, which is very much a anime tactics RPG. So it looked like there was some cool stuff. I am not a Fire Emblem person, so I can't say that this is the one uh, that's going to draw me in either. And that's coming out spring 2019. Uh, then they announced and showed off Fortnite, which uh, they did not during this, but uh, it has become clear since then that you can play crossplay Fortnite with everybody except a PS4. And yeah. also, if you started or have ever played on a PS4, you cannot play on anything else, most notably the Switch. So if you are a PS4 slash Switch person, pick one. I was going to bring that up when we got done with all the big things, that whole yeah. controversy. Yeah. It boned me. It pissed me off this week. Yep. And in fact, it's actually, as just a, a point of clarification, it's not having play, it's not specifically the fact of playing already on the PS4. It's if that account has been used for any game on the PS4. Right. Oh, it's not just Fortnite. No, right? it's if you've used that account what for... What other Epic game would you play on the PS4? There's another one, but I don't remember yeah. what it was called. But it basically, if you've ever used an Epic account on PlayStation, gotcha. yeah. you are locked out. You can't use that Epic account on any other machine. Some other people have come out and said they've never played Fortnite before on the, on the Sony, but they did have an Epic account the, that was linked was the, for some other They game. had a hero shooter. What was that thing called? Who knows? <laughs> There's only one hero shooter. We don't talk about it because it upsets yeah. Dawn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so, and Fortnite's available now. So, uh, I have not downloaded it. Over two. That was something I was not expecting, and uh, it looks to be overcooked with some significant improvements. Uh, most notably, you can throw things now, which could make a big difference. Um, has you everyone here played Overcooked? Yeah, I've played Overcooked. Well, can you catch things? Hopefully. <laughs> in in the video, I just saw it being thrown and then it lands on the floor. But even then, that could still be useful in some of the levels where you are separated. Oh, I see. Throw it on the other side of a table or something. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds real sanitary. <laughs> it's going to get boiled. It, it would be nice <laughs> if they added a gameplay system for the three-second rule. Uh, so the other thing is there will be dynamic kitchens. Uh, in some other footage I saw, it showed that the level starts out that they're on this um, hot air balloon. And so the kitchen is inside of the basket of the hot air balloon. But at some point during the level, the hot air balloon like deflates or pops. And so you land, but the kitchen lands in pieces. So now you have an entirely different pattern to deal with. So that's pretty cool. Um, it will have online play, which the original one did not. It will also have local wireless play, which I believe is exclusive to the Switch. So I had a lot of fun with the original Overcooked. Um, I know that game can be tricky. Uh, it is it is kind of a hot or cold thing, particularly if you've got a 
uh, young child that is constantly spamming the dash button. That can be frustrating. <laughs> uh, I can feel the 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 annoyance just radiating well, no, off I'm of you. For someone else here. <laughs> um, so then they showed off again Killer Queen Black, which I guess Killer Queen is a game that originally started out as an arcade game. It's a very popular arcade mm-hmm. game. Um, a, a lot of uh, a lot of venues that want to be successful will try and get a Killer Queen. They're fairly expensive, but uh, you can do tournaments around it, and it's a like a six-person game, I think. Don may know more. Yeah, I think it's six. I've played it quite a bit, and it's awesome. I hope okay. it translates well to a, the home environment. It looks a lot like Joust to me, which is not a bad thing. It's a lot like Joust. Okay. With different roles, though. Yeah. So it, it sounds like this is a... They redesigned it for home consoles. It's coming first to the Switch. It's going to have four versus four. It's coming out this year. Cool. Uh, then Octopath Traveler, which we've talked about pretty extensively. Uh, I don't think there's really any additional information that was shown at Nintendo's Direct, other than maybe some different footage. Um, then they had a whole sizzle reel. So just real briefly, they talked. They showed Starlink. They showed Arena of Valor Fall. Oh wait, no, Fall is when it's coming out. Arena of Valor is the name of the game. Uh, Arena of Valor Fall. Yeah, it fits. Surprisingly, <laughs> um, they showed Minecraft, which I was not aware was not on the Switch. So um, it has been, yeah. It there, it, there's like a new variant coming out that is. Oh, so is to, this the the Minecraft versus Minecraft like Switch edition? Kind of like what they've done on the Xbox. There was a Minecraft Xbox. Yeah, I think edition, the, I, I think now I'm not I'm not positive, Minecraft. but isn't this the version that will give it the full crossplay capability and it's up to the day because they did a big thing where Minecraft did a split right. between the old Java Minecraft and then they basically rebuilt Minecraft. Yes. And okay. and I think this sense. might be the switch vert part of that changeover. Because that changeover is also where they started enabling all the crossplay between all the yeah. disparate systems. So they did that on Xbox as well. Um okay so that makes sense. So then Sushi Striker, which is available now, I've heard good things about um, the DK Adventure for Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Uh, something called Pixark, which looks like a like voxel version of Ark Survival Evolved, but it was on screen for like three seconds, so that could be me misinterpreting. Uh, Just Dance 2019, they actually showed some gameplay footage for that. It looks like every other Just Dance game. That's not a bad thing, just a thing. Uh, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Z Fighters, uh, coming out this year. Uh, the Octo update for, must be Splatoon, Splatoon 2, yeah. I just word. wrote Octo there, um, and I could not remember Splatoon 2. Yeah, so the Octo update for Splatoon 2 is coming out this summer. Nope. It's already out? Launched so. the 14th. Okay. They uh, they didn't announce the date at the thing because they were holding it and they announced it at the end of the competitive finals uh-huh. match okay. for it because I saw it drop and my daughter lost it. Yeah. And then she spent all day on the 14th staring at her thing saying, it hasn't updated yet, Daddy. It hasn't updated yet. Why and hasn't you, it you updated yet? You had to make it yet? update faster. And then it, once it did update, she stayed up like, oh, my. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it would, they, they mentioned summer during that sizzle reel, but apparently something has happened since gotcha. Yeah, because the original, the date that's been floating for a long time for that was July 14th. But, yeah, no, it came out June 14th. Okay, cool. If I played Splatoon, that would probably be pretty awesome. Uh, Captain Toad, which I don't think they listed a release date for that one. 
Um, and then something called Crash. Uh, then FIFA, Actual Arc, Wasteland 2, Paladins, which is available now, Fallout Shelter, also available now, Dark Souls Remastered, coming this summer, uh, an SNK Heroines game, Monster Hunter Generations game, Wolfenstein 2, uh, The World Ends With You, Mega Man 11, and Mario Tennis Aces, which comes out the 22nd this month. Uh, then the, I believe the rest of it, yeah, all the way to the end, Super Smash Brothers Ultra. Um, they spin- ultimate. ultimate. Oh, is it Ultimate? Yeah. I must have misheard them. My notes are flawless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Thank you for the correction. And they only talked about this game for like 45 seconds. So it was just a teaser. Yeah, very, very briefly. I will not go over the <laughs> fighters that are present in You're the game. You're not going to tell us about every final move? No. Aww. They spent a lot of time talking about the characters. Uh, the short version is it is every character that has ever appeared in another Smash Brothers game, including the cameo characters like Snake and Pac-Man. Um, Sonic. And Sonic, yeah. And Ryu, Bayonetta, Cloud. And so in some cases, they, they are modified characters. You know, they're not exactly as they appeared in those. They have changed things. They spent a significant amount of time actually detailing some of those changes, um, which is not my jam, but that's cool that they that they were being transparent about that stuff. Uh, there are three new fighters. Daisy, Inkling, and uh, notably for the internet at large, Ridley from Metroid. Now, the trailer for bringing Ridley in was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But it good. also had a not gameplay footage yes. tag on it. So they specifically said the most smash for your buck. Uh, it's only going to start with 12 characters. There's going to be eight player battles. And it's going to be compatible with GameCube controllers. It's going to mm-hmm. be compatible with all of the existing character amiibo, whether they are part of the Smash Brothers series or not. So, for example, there are like 17 Mario amiibo. All of them will be equivalent to this game. And that's about it. I did, are there any details that I may have glossed over on that? There were a lot of details in the Smash part of it. I don't know that there's a lot of details that are really worth sharing yeah. specifically. Go watch the thing. It's only... Or not. 45 minutes. Yeah, or don't. Or it's, don't. Here, here's yeah. the whole thing. It, I, it, it felt to me like the hit of Super Smash's primarily, primary point was just to try and cover the fact that they didn't really have a lot. Nope. Sounds like Don agrees with you. It was a bummer. It was like they're hitting Pokemon and Smash really hard, and I get those are the big sellers, but I am not interested in either of them. Yeah. So for me, it felt like Overcooked was, or Killer Queen, those are like the two big ones that we didn't really know about, and those are tiny little summer of indie yeah. Xbox type titles, you know. So it was a little bit of a bummer, but I think, uh, a good year last year. I, I think, I agree. I think, actually, I'm, it doesn't matter that I agree. I think what's important to note is that Nintendo's shareholders agree. Yeah. This was yeah. a miss. They've revised their, uh, the stock value has fallen because they, uh, I found some more details after, I think I shared on our, our Facebook page yeah. one of the articles, but I found one with more detail later. And the issue here is hardcore Nintendo fans, hardcore Smash fans, they're going to buy Smash. That's not, it's not a question that Smash will be. All the Smashes have been successful. There have been right. five Smash games. They've sold over 40 million units. Smash is going to do fine. The issue is that 
they were looking for Nintendo to announce some sort of mainstream appeal game, and there was nothing in this conference that really stood out. Mario Party was the closest thing that they Mario felt. Mario Party games all suck. And it's been, the franchise has been hit and miss. So it wasn't solid there. And then I know some people who are big Nintendo fans were very upset that there wasn't more information on Metroid. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't, I mean, Metroid would, any announcement on a, on Metroid would have been huge. And I did read on the math, they did spend more than half of their, of their 40 some minute press conference on Smash. It was just, in my opinion, it was just too much time. Yep. Way too much time. What a waste of this, of their treehouse stage. Because I know that they did a bunch of gameplay afterwards. I only care about the press briefings. That's all I watched. And I was like, you're really, I'm glad that you're really proud of this. But in terms of doing deep dives on games, you should have looked and see, look at and see what Sony did and have a better sense mm-hmm. about how much time you should have spent on a game. They should not have spent more time on Smash than Last of Us 2 had. And all of it, it's when you're sitting there watching a developer walk you through the change for every character. I was like, is this still the actual press conference or did we move into the Smash after party? Yeah. It was, no. it was a mess. N- Nintendo had four games that they needed, that they needed to say something about, at least a couple of them to have kept, to, to have done everything that people wanted to keep them alive. Smash. Congratulations. They talked about Smash way too much. Metroid information didn't happen. Animal Crossing information didn't happen. Mainline Pokemon information didn't happen. Though, and those are the things that people really wanted to know and people really cared about. And they didn't do any of them. And they could have worked around it if they, they hadn't spent, like you said, over half the time on Smash because it doesn't matter. And from the shareholder perspective, the, the issue is simple. They don't think Smash will move units because they think most of the people who will buy Smash already have the Switch. Agreed. Animal Crossing would have moved units. Yeah, Main game started. Pokemon would have moved units. Yep. I, I, I don't honestly think Metroid would have. I think people who... No, I don't either. I think that, Metroid that's people just, already that's one have for the, the hardcore. Games. That's yeah. one for the hardcore. But the hardcore people were upset because Metroid was mentioned last year. Mm-hmm. Well, they're like, yeah, we're making a, a Metroid game. It was a teaser. Yeah. But why was there not... A, a new teaser. Right. Their, their reasoning was that they had to announce Metroid last year to keep the momentum of a new system and help build up that first year for the, the Switch. Right. And now that it's, people know it's being made, they still don't have anything to show. So it's still coming. But that's yeah. why they did it. So I, I get it. It's just, but I mean, they had fairly, I believe they have fairly aggressive console sales targets for this year. The investors are questioning that they, if they can even meet that. They think that the sales will drop off. Drop off more than projected. That's, I think it's possible. And, I, I, I don't disagree They could at be all. right, they could be wrong. I don't know. But I, I agreed that I didn't like how it was done. Uh, is, is anybody excited about, I don't mean necessarily out of the four of us, but just in a larger scheme, was any outlet excited about any Nintendo stuff over the games announced for Xbox and PlayStation? I don't think uh, so. Well, again, before uh, Mike, who couldn't be on today because he's off doing family stuff, he mentioned to me, I asked him, I said, you know, we're going to talk about like, what was the best thing? What's the best game? I bet. And we'll move into that in a little bit, but in terms of best game of the show, he said, smash. How? I, I, I said, really? And he goes, well, I am a Nintendo fanboy. That's true. Okay. Well, I mean, I, and part of the thing is, I, I mean, I like Nintendo too, but I hate the smash games. I think they're fun to play with friends. 
but I they've been ruined for me because competitive Smash is like super boring to watch. I wish they would put that level of fan service into a Mario Kart game. Yeah, I want to be Mr. Game and Watch and Mario. I want to earn a Luigi Cup and earn a Samus Cup and all that stuff. I want. I love the level of fan service, but it's I'm not interested in the game type. Right. I meant more like. If you're a hardcore Switch guy or Nintendo guy, that's fine. Is Smash going to really touch Cyberpunk 2077? Is it going to touch Last of Us 2? I don't see it hitting some of the big ones. I don't think so. Before we Spider-Man, Forza yeah. 4, whatever. Uh, no, I, I agree. I agree on that. Before we go to our winners and losers, uh, let's go ahead and see. Was there anything else that wasn't in these major presentations. And I, I have one, so I'll, I'll lead off with it. I want to talk a little bit about Devolver's presentation. Yeah, I was going to bring that up as well. I did watch it. Did you? Yes. I didn't. Uh, yeah. It was weird. It was a spoof of E3 presentations. I thought it was it worked pretty well. I thought it was funny. Probably could have made it maybe five minutes shorter, but we're already talking something that was barely 20 minutes. It was very short. Uh, they showed three games. I only want to talk about two of them. Uh... One was My Friend Pedro, which will be out on the Switch and PC, and it is a bullet time run and gun ballet game. Okay. Where you are trying to gracefully kill people while jumping and dual wielding. Yeah, at one point, uh, the character jumps out, shoots a bunch of people, and lands through a basketball hoop. And another point, he gracefully lands on a skateboard flings the skateboard and kills a guy by hitting him in the head with it while he shoots another guy and then uses a shotgun and blows a guy's head off and then kicks it like a soccer ball to kill someone else. Two classical music. Well, a banana tells him what to do. I don't know how this thing's going to control. I was trying to figure that out. How are you going to aim with two different guns at once? I don't know. I don't know. The gun kata will teach you. I mean, I guess, I guess if the actual movement is on rails, then you could use dual sticks for the, the two shooting. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. Robotron style. We'll have to see. It's weird. It, anyway, so it was it was odd. It was odd, and so it, it caught my eye. And then Devolver is the studio that is uh, re-releasing the remaster of From Software again, From Software of Dead of Dark Souls fame. Uh, their Metal Wolf Chaos AXD Mech game. They have upped all the graphics. Where the President of the United States is in a mech. Oh so yeah, they are the ones behind the new iteration of it. They kept the same. Horrible, over-the-top voice acting, but they touched up everything else. Nice. So I think that game was originally from 2004. So, uh, so they so they showed footage of that, and uh, they worked it into their show. And other than that, I just thought the show was. I really liked how they spoofed it. They made fun of Loot Crate. They made fun of uh, Bitcoin. They made fun of everyone buying these classic console edition things, and how people just throw money at nostalgia. And it was all really very much on point. So I might have to go back and watch that. So it's fun. It's real fun because they're just on a stage. There is no audience. The audience is cut away stock footage from movies and stuff. This is, this <laughs> I don't think it was. No, I think they, they filmed specifically. There were a few that. segments that were filmed, but there were there other were a parts. Lot of people eating bananas. There, that part was true, but there were also a part where there are these old men clapping, and you can tell the film grain kicks in there. Oh, that it? is okay. from something. Okay. I don't know from what, but it's gotcha. from something. So anyway, uh, I thought Devolver was uh, something just to mention on the anything else. And uh, and those games actually look like they're quirky, but they look fun. So, mm-hmm. so I thought it was, it was worth 
talking about, and I didn't really have anything else other than we already talked about the Nintendo shareholder disappointment. We already touched on the Fortnite issue that right. Sony ran into during their segment. So, uh, Don, did you have anything else that we didn't hit on the major presentations? Uh, a couple things. I'm still looking forward to Days Gone. It's like uh, Walking Dead meets Sons of Anarchy. Games. I was surprised that didn't get a mention during the Sony presser because they spent a lot of time on it last year. It was during one of the sizzle reels. Right, I meant time spent. Oh on yeah, it. yeah. No, I, don't, I think they are because they spent time because they, they just put out a new trailer for that before E3. Yeah, and it looked good. Yeah, it looked good last year. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so days gone. It's not new and it's not coming out, so that's why I kind of got stuck in that middle period, like the Nintendo stuff. Uh, Spiral Reignited trilogy. I'm still looking forward to. That could be solid the way they're reworking the whole thing. Did you say Spyro? You did. Yeah, Spyro. They're redoing the first three games as a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Remastering. And Lego DC Villains will be cool, but yeah. it's a Lego game. It's a Lego game. Yeah, we can trust it. Even even like the worst Lego game is still a pretty good game. Yeah, it's still pretty fun. So I'll look forward to that. Eric, anything else? I don't think so. I think I've covered pretty much everything that I noted other than random fashion choices of different people. Okay. Uh, so, Tony, was there anything? No, I've covered it in at the time or elsewhere. Okay. So, let's move to the to victory. Victors and, and, and losers. So, game. What game won E3? And, Don, I'll let you start because I think you already mentioned which one you thought won. Spider-Man? Spider? Was it Spider-Man? I, th- I wasn't sure if it was that or it was back on the EA, EA segment if it was something. But, game of the show, basically. I think... Uh, Spider-Man kind of falls in that same period where it's probably the most exciting thing they showed, but we've seen it before. Right. But hey, if you, if you thought it was the, you sort of the game that stole the show, then hey, it's the one that you thought. Sure. Okay. So Don goes Spider-Man. Tony, what do you think? Uh, Shadows, I think. Uh, why I can't pronounce it. The Samurai game. Oh, Ghost of Tsushima. Or Ghost, yeah, Ghost of, that game looked, that that's the one that interested me the most for once again of a system I don't own. There's now like five games that mm-hmm. make me want to own a PS4, so it might actually happen at some point. Okay, actually, I agree with with Tony. Ghost of Tsushima is my game of the show. I thought it was the most impressive. Uh, Eric, what do you think? Smash? No, Overcooked Two. Yeah, no, Overcooked Two is definitely a, a a of the games that I'm most likely to play. That that is probably highest on my list. Uh, that and Super Mario Party. The, those... How can you like a Mario Party game? They're so bad. I have a young daughter, and she really digs it. I have young daughters too. And... Yeah, me too. They haven't made a good one in like 15 years. <laughs> they haven't gone back to the old ones yet. It. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, so probably, uh, probably Overcooked 2, because we had a lot of fun going through those. It was a, uh, it it is a good, it is a good couples game, as long as you're okay with writing that razor's edge. Of divorce. Good good divorce game, yeah. Yeah, it's a divorce game. All right. So moving from that, let's talk about who won E3. And by this, I mean, you don't have to pick anyone. You can say there was no winner. Otherwise, it needs to be one of these main presentations. So are we talking big three or are we talking... No, it doesn't have to be big three. Overall, you, can, okay. you can include Square, Ubi, the PC Gaming Show. Those can be included. You would be wrong if I you I want to know what Square. presentation won E3. Or if you include PC Gaming and, Show because the presentation was And if you want to put a great. qualifier that if it's different than the big three and you want to name a big three as well, feel free. Hey, it's it's our show. We do what we want. So I'll let Don kick it off again. Don, what, what do you think? 
Who won? I feel like uh, Xbox won E3. Okay. They finally showed a lot of games that a lot of people want to play, and it's something they haven't done before. Okay. Tony, what do you think? I was thinking the same thing. I think Xbox did the the best job of showing future growth and showing that they've actually put their money where they've always talked about and what they've needed. I think I liked more of the games that I saw from like Sony, but I think that Xbox did a really good job. Um, I will, I'll go next again, like I did last time. And I, I have to concur the Microsoft press conference. I think this is the first time I have ever said Microsoft is one E3. Uh, but (laughs) I, I think they really, really did. I mean, last year's show was definitely an improvement from the show before. I think this showed why those of us who, and I'm the only one at this table that has solely invested this generation in the Xbox architecture. And it's been rough being worried about Okay, I might just have to accept that I'm going to transition back over to Sony, which I haven't been on since the PS1 in the next generation. I needed to see growth in the first party side. I'm totally cool with them letting PC have it and it just being console exclusive. But I need to see that they're putting out something that makes me want to play the machine besides third party and the fact that I just like their architecture better. They did that. And it it was a good case in point about why people have been saying, and Phil, we trust, because he gets it. He's not Matic. He's fixing everything that went wrong. And finally, he's high enough up at Xbox, or excuse me, at Microsoft, that he has the power and the money to implement these changes. And when you hear him, you know that he, much like Ali, uh, I'm going to, what's her name? Alicia? I'm going to say Aisha. Aisha. Thank you. I don't want to say it wrong. Uh, like Aisha, he's a real gamer. Except when I see him sit down in interviews and he talks about specifically what he plays and what he plays on. I'm really sure he is. All that aside, so they did two things. They announced a bunch of games, which was good. They showed that they made inroads on bringing things that were formerly and often heavily implied by Sony as being console exclusive, were clearly timed exclusives, like Nier, and they are coming over now. And bringing their stable of first-party studios up to Nier parity. And I don't need them to be as big as Sony. They just need to be close. Right. Uh, so this was enough information, even though... I like Sony's exclusives better, exclusive announcements, definitely, yep. that when it comes to the next generation, which then these studios will be putting out new products with the Microsoft money behind it, I feel confident enough that I would be okay buying an Xbox 2 versus a PS5 as the first console, that they've reassured me that they're serious. But and Next year or the year after could be a huge lineup of great games for all these new studios. Yeah, but we'll see. Eric, who won? I'm going to say Xbox as well. Okay. Um, to me, the 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 point of E3, or or the thing that I am most interested in, anyway, is getting the information out. And I appreciated that he came out and said, "We're going to talk about 50 games," and then they spent time. They, you know, obviously there there's a little bit of trickery that they didn't spend time talking about 50 games. But they showed off 50 games, and then they were done. Mm. There wasn't much in the way of, you know, glitzy ceremony. They didn't put everyone in a tent and then spend half an hour moving everyone out of the tent. Mm. They just came out, talked about it. There was no car on the stage. There was there was none of that, you know, basically none of what got parodied in that Devolver Digital 
was part of Microsoft's presentation. Right. And that, to me, made it the strongest because they just did what they set out to do as opposed to, you know, trying to create an atmosphere or, you know, talking about... There was a lot less silliness, I guess. They, they, they stripped off the theater. Yes. Yeah, a lot less theater. That is the word I was looking for, yeah. There, there, were, there was very little in the way of theatrics other than the cyberpunk part. Um, I do, however, want to give honorable mention to Ubisoft... Because I think they did a really good job of also getting out a lot of information about the games that they have upcoming. And not everyone may have appreciated it, but I did appreciate the Just Dance opening. Because it is on the entire opposite end of the spectrum. That it was entirely theatrics. And they showed nothing about the game. Which is perfect for that game. Because all that matters about that game is the music. Well, let's go in reverse order for for our final thing to talk about on E3. And that is... Do you think anyone quote unquote lost E3 and or had a dis or was disappointed? Most disappointed. Maybe think about maybe who, who lost E3 and who had the most disappointing press conference of E3? Cause those aren't necessarily the same thing. And you can say you don't think there's anything on either of those topics, but just think negative. I want negative. Again, right. we're going to stick with the whole list. It doesn't, not big three per se. CERN. Oh, come on, Iron Maiden, Don, Iron Maiden. Just kidding. No. no. (laughs) So I don't think anyone really truly lost as such. Um, I do think that the worst of the ones that I saw was Square Enix. And uh, that just has to do with it was incredibly short, and they spent almost all of their time on Tomb Raider, which was shown elsewhere. You know, Uh, so there wasn't a whole lot of exclusive content to that one. Because Kingdom Hearts 3 was shown at Microsoft and Sony. Right. So, you know, they, they didn't have a whole lot to show. And to be fair, they didn't spend a long time showing it. So, you know, there, there's bonus points there. Uh, but what they did show, it didn't really deserve its own thing. Okay. And definitely it is it is disappointing to me that Nintendo did not show off more of the things I wanted to see out of them. But I will concede that regardless of what they showed by showing Smash and Smash being as big of a deal as it is, that it would have taken all the oxygen out of the room. So I have personal disappointments with Nintendo's presentation. I just don't know that there was a better way to approach that. Okay. Well, in my case, uh, I'll say in terms of disappointing, I will say Nintendo. I think that spending over half of a press conference talking about a single game at the biggest gaming event of the year is a miss, no matter what your lineup and expectations look like. Uh, they didn't lose E3. It was just, as a press conference goes, it was the most disappointing on the grounds of content. Now, I want to say, while I agree Square Enix's presentation was pointless, it wasn't a bad press conference. It just didn't make any sense to do it, given everything else. But there was nothing structurally bad with the conference, so I don't have them in my list. Okay. In terms of who lost E3, Sony did. And it's interesting because I thought their game presentations were very good. There's two factors. On the disappointing side, but again, I think Nintendo was overall the most disappointing. Watching their press conference live was offensive because of the decisions they made that catered to the live attendees without any regard to the people watching it on stream. You had a musical number with no game playing in the background, which wasted everyone's time. 
followed by a really good Last of Us 2 presentation, followed by them moving from a theater, from, from a tent to a theater. And while that's happening, they have a desk of four people not talking about Last of Us 2. They're talking about other stuff. They're just talking, wasting time. And then you come back and hear more music without any gameplay going on. And then you have the rest of the real press conference. A little disappointing. That will all be forgotten, though, because you'll just see the clips of the actual elements of the games. Why Sony lost had nothing to do with their presentation. Fortnite is why they lose. Uh, Because they come out of E3 looking terrible. And it undid so much. We should be talking about ghosts of ghosts. We should be talking about last. We should be talking about Spider-Man. What is the internet talking about? They're talking about how I bought a bunch of stuff to play Fortnite and now I can't move it over to another console. And their press release coming out was just, we're not talking about this any further. We have 80 million people. Love us. We are your God now. No, 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 no. They had... They came in, did a very conservative presser, which focused deep dives, but on very few games. I personally found it quite... I don't like Sony's strategy of not having developers explain games. I like what Bethesda, Ubisoft, and Microsoft do, where they mm-hmm. actually tell me about the game. That's a personal preference thing. Yeah. I love the look of the Sony games so much. And they sabotage themselves because they're the number one console right now, and they acted like it. And we can say that if Nintendo or Microsoft were in their shoes, that they would be the one doing the closed garden and walling everything off. But bottom line is, it's Sony doing it. Sony look like bullies. And that's what everyone's talking about. Because even though I don't play it, Fortnite is the number one game in the world right now. And Sony acted like that it didn't matter because they're Sony. And I think it sucked all the oxygen away on any positive they had at E3. And maybe they'll recover from that. But we'll see. Right now, they're not. Right. So, Tony, disappointing or losses? When when I went to bed on Sunday night, I figured that nothing was going to be more disappointing than Bethesda. Really? You're a big Bethesda fan. I am. I, I was not happy with Bethesda with Bethesda's overall thing. I felt like they were doing too much stuff that was just kind of playing for time. And I understood why, but I didn't like the... The, the Elder Scrolls 6 announcement. But I completely threw out Square Enix because it wasn't anything. And it was Nintendo that messed everything up. Uh, and it was their fault. Their, their concentration on Smash, it makes sense. I understand why they wanted to. It was the biggest thing they had to really talk about. They overdid it. I think even if they just, even if they spent 10, or 15 minutes on Smash, it would have been high, but it wouldn't have been as egregious as what it ended up being. So overall, that was the most disappointing for me because they didn't have any announcements that... I understand people were just hoping for, but the things they did talk about just did not work, and they spent way too much time on Smash. Overall, worst of the show, I thought everything came out of the show fine. It was like you said, Sony after the show shot themselves. There's no way around it. Sony hurt themselves bad. The tr- but it's not going. Nothing's going to go wrong. They're not going to lose people. People are still going to buy their games. They're still going to play. It's just they're going to look bad for a couple days, and then it'll be for- it'll be forgotten. Okay. I mean, yeah, but Don. I think they look bad. Last word is yours, Don. Who lost? Who was disappointing? Uh, you both brought up 
or everybody brought up good points. Most disappointing was Nintendo, and they didn't have they didn't have an hour they had to fill. They could have done half hour. They only have one thing to show, then just show one thing. Uh, so that was a bummer. I was expect I'm high on the Switch, and I was wanted to be blown away. <laughs> I wasn't. Uh, but yeah, I was this week. I was most mad at PlayStation trying to get my costumes and stuff to switch over to Fortnite on the Switch. And just, you can't. You can't tie it to your Twitch account. You can't tie it to your uh, Amazon Prime account because it's already been associated with another console. It's just bummed me out more than anything from E3. You brought up a good point, and yeah, that's what I want. Okay. Well, that's it. We made it. We're at the end. We're over three hours. but We're under four, so we can take credit for that. So thank you, Don. Thank you, Eric, for Mm -hmm. guest hosting with us. Um, and let's just get through the rest of this. Uh, you can reach out to us at collectivegamerspodcast.gmail.com. Reach out to us on the social media, such as facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. Instagram and Twitter at eclectic underscore gamers. That's it. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Bye, Bye. everyone.